Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Yes, we are go. The Commonwealth Games are go. Welcome aboard. The best three hours you'll ever have on a Saturday. He says humbly. You're a good morning, everybody. This is the Saturday Session, powered by the Thunderbirds. So good. The Saturday Sesh. It's Grant Elliott. Good morning. My name is Daniel McCarty. He's Ben Francis. Hello, mate. Good morning, Benjamin. Morning, guys. How are we? We are great. We are great. I'm very excited. Always excited. At this stage, every four years, when the Commonwealth Games start, I didn't think you'd make it this weekend. Actually, why? After the the Carolina Reaper, after you downed that chili last weekend, I had a couple of people tapping me on the shoulder, going, "Are oh, you alright, mate?" And um, yeah, that was entertaining. So I got to thank the producer Ben Francis for delivering those chilies. It was interesting in the morning. I don't know how you handled that in the morning. Well, one half of my mouth was burning, the other wasn't. Oh, did you? I don't know if one half, compl- the, the chilli killed one half of my taste buds. Completely. Maybe you had a stroke, <laughs> a minor stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we are here. We have bounced back and we've got a busy old show for you, which, uh, as always, we want you to play a part. The lines are open. Uh, our number is 0800 We like to talk sport with you. You can always set the agenda the Commonwealth Games have started. There's been a bit of a medal rush for New Zealand to start. On day number one, I've just watched one of the most extraordinary games of international hockey, uh, Grant Elliott. Uh, that, that's, that, that's a late contender for my Sleep Drops performance of the week, that game between Scotland and New Zealand. New Zealand go in as quite firm favourites, being ranked ninth, I think, overall in the world. Scotland, a, a lowly ra- ranked side, 19th. But they're up five goals to one in that game, Scotland. Five goals to one, but somehow, some way, uh, didn't hold on to it. And in fact, New Zealand had one, two, three. I counted three really good chances to steal it in the final two or three minutes. What also, a wild game! I thought you told me that New Zealand were up five one. No, they were before down the show. They five were one. down five one. That's incredible. So, have you set out your whole Commonwealth schedule? Are you someone like that where you've decided what sports no. you're going to watch and when, or I'm, you just flick the TV on? I'm a flicker. Yeah, I'm a flicker. You just flick. I just like all to day flick long. all day. Yeah. Every day. Well, not all day because it's at night and over, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. Yeah, but there'll always be highlights on, won't there? And then you'll find a sport that you go, like, for me, uh, during the Olympics, that rock climbing one, you know, scaling the walls like Spider-Man. And then there was the strategic rock climbing. And you, you watch it and you go, is this a sport? You know? 
And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that when they watch some of the sports, they go, oh, I could do that. Are, are you promising to do a list of top five sports that are not sports that are at the Commonwealth Games? Oh, you, I w- you run the risk of alienating a, a, a large section of the fan base. I wouldn't want to do that. I'd ra- rather throw it out to the listeners. Yeah, so you're not going to be authentic and tell the truth? No, I'd like to be the facilitator. The, the facilitator. <laughs> of the discussion. 0800 uh, your early observations of what you've seen at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, feel free to, to join us. You can uh, discuss all the happenings in sport. Uh, as far as what else you can expect on the program, uh, Casey Frank joins us in about 25 minutes' time to look at the NBL, which is uh, pretty crazy, fair to say, our Sales National Basketball League as it uh, heads to the uh, playoff portion of the season. It is a congested ladder, to say the least. Uh, we'll catch up with the uh, former Tall Black and of, of course, Sky Sports commentator these days, Casey Frank, on the show. After 11, we're going to talk the NRL commiserations, Ben, into your... Um, your, uh, you know, proud uh, Warriors fan base, Grant Elliott included there. Um, tough loss last night at the Storm. Storm up by just two at the half, but kicked away in that second. Probably what, I, what I'm guessing you Harden Warriors fans expected. Yeah, I think the highlight was someone doing a shoey in front of uh, Stacey Jones. Yeah, he got his crock out, looked like it, did it? Wasn't, wasn't that great pretender ahead of his plastic cup in yeah. his shoe during the Warriors' ho- uh, return <laughs> match, the, the first game back? Yeah. That's just wrong, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you've got to do a shoe, it's got to go in your shoe, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't just have the cup there, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was in a situation where Darren Rikers from um, Canterbury, he was having... Former a, Netherlands great. Former <laughs> Netherlands and uh, Canterbury great uh, all-rounder. And he um, he was having his wedding. So the day before, someone had to do a shoey out of his seven-year-old Timberlands. And that was an authentic one. I mean, that would have really... That would have hurt the gut like a Carolina Reaper. Uh, Richie's got a nice and early for his suggestion for our Sleep Drops performance of the week. Uh, get your nominations through via text, double eight double three, or pick up the phone. Uh, we can't guarantee we'll read out your text. If you give us a call, um, far greater chance uh, we can hear your dulcet tones, get your nomination out. Richie writes, here's an early shout for performance of the week. It goes to someone for their performance on and off the field. It has to be Hayden Wild. The class he showed towards the end of the race and since has been an absolute top class, which in itself deserves a gold medal. That is from uh, Richie, not far from here in Upper Hutt. Uh, you uh, are in the know with this. Tell the listeners well, what we're talking about. I, I, didn't, I haven't seen it, but I read up on it, and it sounded like he took his helmet off too early. So uh, I'm Do guessing... you know what we need? We need a triathlon nerd to call us. Yeah, we and do explain need this. this. So he took his helmet off early. What I'm guessing and what I read from it is that you have to sort of park your bike or set your bike down first and then take the helmet off because it's probably health and safety. So you might trip out, I'm guessing. So it's bike first, then helmet. And Hayden Wild said, well, if you look at the footage, then I think it's, you know, uh, well, he called it BS um, to some of his support crew. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that appeal. And you're in the know with the appeal. You reckon it happens after the Commonwealth yeah. Games. Well, Ben Francis alluded me to this, that the actual uh, appeal might not be ratified till after the Com Games. What the heck is the point of that? You could be real brash and go around the village just claiming gold. Yeah, I'm a soon-to-be Commonwealth Games <laughs> gold medalist. Um, that, that does seem a little bit odd. But he's handled it uh, particularly well, better than Ben Francis takes an NRL loss. Oh, gee. Don't you... End of the world, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm okay. Like, as long as the Warriors are showing some improvement, you know, you've got to remember they on the Anzac Day game, they lost by 60 to the Storm. That is true. Well, I'm guessing, you know, 
the Warriors fans after that home game. I, I've, I found, I was thinking about the Warriors fans, they're so polarizing. They either love them or you get people that absolutely hate the Warriors. A bit like you in the Commonwealth Games. This morning you've all turned <laughs> up, you're all loving it, when really we all know you just want to poo-poo it. Well, I don't... You want to, you want to join that uh, ever-expanding group in New Zealand media where people you know, look down their nose at it. No. I... It's like it comes around once every four years. Just enjoy it for what it is. Ben France is an, another poo-pooer of, of the Commonwealth Games. You like to poo-poo the Commonwealth Games, don't you, Ben? I don't understand how it's still a thing. <laughs> wow. That's what John Oliver told us eight years ago. Mate. Oh, I think you have to stick with tradition. But what I don't understand is that there's a women's T20, but not a men's. I don't... You have to ask the ICC that, mate. Why do they Do you think decide? the Commonwealth Games would have um, welcomed the, the men's competition? Absolutely, I would have thought. Of course. I've been asking myself that question. The only thing I can think of is because it's been professional for longer. Well, I'm just not comfortable being surrounded by poo-pooers of the, of the Commonwealth Games. I, 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 think, I think it is time to test your guys' knowledge. I like that. A little game we've invented. The quadrennial. I don't know if we're going to be here in four years' time. Know your Commonwealth Games. <laughs> do, do we have any dramatic music or you know, theme tune music on the button bar, Ben? Something like that? Probably not. Right. You're I'm not going to ask me, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm going oh, no. to question both on the Commonwealth. Okay, get ready here, Ben. Are you ready, Ben Francis? Fire away, Daniel. Are you ready, Grant Elliott? No. Okay. I'm not ready. The Commonwealth Games have been taking place since what year, Grant? Uh, 1968. Incorrect. How, how laughable an answer is that? You're off by 38 years. 1930. Well, that's close enough. Ben Francis, how many nations compete at this year's Commonwealth Games? Oh, geez. Uh, I'm, I think I do know. It's, isn't it 72? Oh, look at that. He's wow. smashed it out of the park. Bold length ball stain, and he's gone over long on. All right. Uh, the Commonwealth is a voluntary association grant. How many member states in the Commonwealth? You've just heard Ben talk about number of nations competing. Yeah, 76. 76? Mm. Incorrect, 56. You're, embarrassed. You're an embarrassment, Grant. <laughs> you know nothing about the Commonwealth. Grant Elliott, it comprises of 2.5 billion people, the Commonwealth. What percentage of the world's population is that, Grant? Ooh. Um, 20%? Uh, a third. It's kind of okay. All right. Uh, yes or no, are these nations in the Commonwealth? I've got 50% chance. Yes, exactly, yeah. Grant. Botswana. No. Incorrect. They oh. are in the, in the Commonwealth. Ben, is Estwatini? Yes. In the Commonwealth. Correct. Grant Elliott, is Zamunda in the Commonwealth? Never heard of Zamunda, no. It's not? No. Correct, because it's a made-up country <laughs> that featured in Eddie Murphy's magnificent 1988 movie, Coming to America. So glad I didn't Zamunda. say yes there. He was the prince uh, yeah. of the Oh, yes, he was, yeah. And Granada, Ben Francis. <coughs> Granada, I'm going to say yes. Correct. Ben Francis is smashing it for someone who doesn't like the Commonwealth He Games. loves the he's Commonwealth done, He's done his prep. Have you done your prep, Grant? I have done You have prep. not. On New Zealand, Grant, I have. Considering how big a deal... You are in Pakistan. <laughs> no. We know they're listening. <laughs> you better get this one right. Okay? Yeah. Have Pakistan always been in the Commonwealth? 
No, I don't. Oh, have they always been in the Commonwealth? There's a trick question there. Is it? Um, is it? Is it really? I'm going to say no. Correct, Grant. You got yep. one right. Yep. Pakistan left the Commonwealth in 1972 following the recognition of Bangladesh. Oh, they weren't happy with Commonwealth it. countries. This was down to the war between Pakistan and Bangladesh, uh, which occurred the previous year. However, they would later rejoin in 2008. Fair enough. There you have it. Grant Elliott showing he knows nothing about the Commonwealth <laughs> Games. Another wonderful episode of Know Your Commonwealth. This is, uh, this is not fair, though, because you are asking the questions. I think I've got to ask some questions about the Commonwealth next week to you. How does that mm, sound? Yeah, I think you kind of missed the boat there, really, because it is... Um, the it's quadrangular. Time, it's time to move on now, isn't it? <laughs> it is time to move on uh, before we get to our first break, and uh, we'll continue to um, encourage you to join the show. Uh, plenty of uh, talking points, which we'll uh, get to as the show progresses, uh, but we've started a quick look at uh, what's happened in the Commonwealth Games. Let's uh, dig a little bit deeper on that. It's time for Editor-at-Large as you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday. Let's uh, recap um, and unpack... All the sports stories you may have missed out on overnight. Editor at large, and we'll probably add in uh, some unwanted and sometimes unwarranted off-the-cuff opinion. Let's go. Overnight, the Birmingham Commonwealth Games are getting off. Uh, swimmingly for New Zealand, plenty of success. New Zealand cyclists have claimed the nation's first two gold medals at the Com Games. As part of a medal rush, Grant, that's all four claimed by New Zealand on the track in just under two hours. Kiwi men's pursuit team. Uh, won New Zealand's first gold at the Games, beating England by two seconds in the final of the 4,000-metre team uh, pursuit event. And they were followed by the women's team sprint um, in standing on the top step of the podium. The uh, women's team pursuit had uh, started proceedings with silver. Uh, the men's team sprint ended with bronze, as all three colours were claimed in a busy stint at the uh, London Velodrome. Uh, New Zealand has already won seven medals, Grant. Uh, three gold, three silver, and a bronze uh, but probably should have had a fourth goal after the uh, triathlon uh, saga. Hayden Wild hit with a penalty after unclipping his helmet early when transitioning. Well, might have a from goal. the bike to the run. If anyone saw this, if anyone knows the the nuances of um, triathlon and why this would be deemed wrong and I'm assuming helpful to the New Zealander that he clipped off his helmet early. I can only I, I think health and safety but it's a shame that Dr. Plews who would be our triathlete um, and high performance specialist um, is overseas in England at the moment. Okay, Yeah that is a shame. Wild said he will appeal the decision but the outcome won't be known until the games are finished. Oh that's tough. That is tough isn't it? Do you, do you celebrate early the gold? Do you? <laughs> Do you think, oh, the appeal's going to be, you know, successful? Well, if you're Donald Trump, you'd, 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 you'd claim go it, wouldn't you? Celebrate it. You'd, you'd absolutely, yeah. you go celebrate it. Let's move to cricket with the Black Caps brush aside Scotland to sweep the two match T20 series after posting their highest ever total in the format and also winning the game grant by 102 runs. Batting first, the Black Caps made just 254 for five. Smoked it. <laughs> Michael Bracewell, another red inker. Yeah. Um, Loves a red inker. Mark Chapman had 83 off 44. Bracewell, uh, as Grant mentioned, 61 not out off 25. New Zealand hit a paltry 18 sixes. Scotland made uh, 152 for nine. Uh, Nisham and Rippon uh, taking two wickets apiece. Uh, the teams play a one-off one-day international before New Zealand finish off their stag do tour in the <laughs> Netherlands. <laughs> to the NRL we go. Uh, Nathan Cleary is facing a spell on the sidelines after he was... Sent off during the Panthers' 34-10 loss to the Eels on Friday night. Ben Francis, I haven't seen this incident. It must be something if he actually got sent off. 
considering what I saw, saw for, um, Solomona do and not get much of a sanction, what did Cleary do? Well, the thing, the problem was it was a very, very similar incident where he just picked him up and dumped him and he landed on his head. It was it was quite surprising to actually see him get sent off considering Nelson had the two incidences within a couple of minutes of each other and all he did was get put on report. But I guess that just comes down to the differences in interpretation from referees and the bunker. Mm. Meanwhile, a hat-trick um, to Ed Kosi wasn't enough to propel the New Zealand Warriors to victory as they slumped to a 24-12 defeat to the Storm. But the Warriors still, still have a mathematical chance of sneaking into the top eight. Although, according to Ben Francis, our producer extraordinaire and the head of our NRL desk here on the Saturday session, the probability of that is probably around 0.0000000001%. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> As they are 10 points outside the final spot uh, with five games remaining. Oh, the Warriors' roller coaster just keeps continuing on. I was actually, I was driving back from the airport when I was listening to uh, Mark Stafford, and I'm not too sure who the SENZ um well, it sure wasn't Wayne Bennett, was it? No, it was it was an Aussie accent, but they were, it was some really good banter during that time, and it sounded like I got it just as the second half started and the Storm scored a try, and they were talking about players that looked like they had run a Commonwealth Games uh, marathon. They, they said they were so exhausted in the second half, they just did not look fit and up to it. Grant, next, uh, next time. Right. Oh, saying, sorry. Grant, next time you are up in Auckland, we'll ta- I'll take you to a Warriors game. I need to go to a Warriors game. I am one of their second or the second biggest supporter after you um, <laughs> this season. But you have to try and I, I don't know, just reinvigorate my support for the Warriors because so, ever since I started supporting them, so many things have happened. So, All right, what, so you're blaming yourself. <laughs> so what, yeah. what we will do is we'll take you to the game. You can be a part of the great atmosphere at Mount Smart Stadium that's there every week, regardless of how the Warriors are going, and you will fall in love, my friend. Okay. Well, there you go. Call, Let's take that clip. Let's keep that. Let's see how I fall in love. Is this a bucket list thing for me to do? I think this is another bucket list. Throw it on the you list. You go to a Warriors game. sounds way too much fun. For, for one of your challenges. <laughs> There's no suffering there. You get to hang out with Ben. You know, really, you know, in the heartbeat of, of Warriors fandom there. Is this like, that sounds like way too much fun. Is this like Idiot Abroad? You're yes. sending me to things yes. that I, I'm not going to enjoy. No, oh, yeah. you've got to throw something in there that I'll enjoy. Uh, yeah, fair enough. And it's not guaranteed, is it? Um, and, and we're asking for triathlon nerds to, to, to call in and explain um, why taking a helmet off is such a, a bad idea. Such a no-no. Yeah. Um, Brett writes, sounded like he took it off early. Only problem is he didn't. Okay. Well, that, that, um, that makes it even the more confusing. If you actually watch this and know the sport, Grant and I are neither. Uh, we can't take either of those categories. We don't know the sport particularly well, and uh, we certainly didn't see it. I, I'd love to get your reaction to that. And uh, we've also got one here from an unnamed text who writes, watch the Warriors game. Great game, even though they lost. Sean Johnson had his best game of the season by far. Uh, keep your messages uh, coming in. Give us a call if you want on 0800 150 It's 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. We've got uh, plenty come to come. 
Uh, we will talk some uh, basketball later this hour. We'll talk the NRL in uh, the 11 to 12 hour. And our Saturday session legends. I uh, will speak to a, a legend of New Zealand cricket. He was leading wicket taker at the 1999 Cricket World Cup. A joint wicket taker with 20. Uh, still heavily involved in the game these days. Uh, but also played while he was on tour. The, the oddity, we want to dig a little bit de- deeper into one of the, the most forgotten series New Zealand cricket's ever been involved in. The 1998 Commonwealth Games, when cricket was at the Commonwealth Games, which is the men's cricket. Bronze medal. The women's uh, game uh, arrives on the Commonwealth uh, Games uh, uh, stage for the first time in Birmingham. So looking forward to seeing how the White Ferns go. Yeah, and Jeff Allett was talking to me and saying, he's trying to talk me out of getting it out of this Legends segment because he said, I only played one game on, on tour, but he was a big part of it. He's a left arm swing bowler, bit of pace, bustled in. Very competitive man, and I'm sure he'll have some great stories from the Commonwealth Games. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That is all still to come. It's 20 minutes after 10. We will take a short break. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session. Our lines are open. 0800 150 It is 24 minutes after 10 o'clock. Grant, you've just reviewed the tape, being the triathlon expert that you are. The, the helmet was unclipped early. I don't really understand it. I looked oh. at it, and it looked like, so he took the clip of his helmet. He didn't take his helmet off. He took the clip of his helmet off as the bike was getting parked or docked or whatever you call it. And then he, and um, then he was then putting he his shoes, shoes on. But he didn't take the helmet off. So I think it was the fact that he unclipped the helmet. So I'm guessing that there's a rule about you have to put the bike in first and then start unclipping the helmet. Otherwise, you could unclip it like, you know, 100 meters out or something. Yeah. There has to be a fair... So Hayden Wild... Pedantic. Pedantic, we could say. Very pedantic. Very pedantic. That, um, you know, might enter the... the you know, the stable of um, pedantic uh, rules in sport that we need rid of. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Casey Frank, if he ever had an issue in basketball with the referee over a pedantic rule, he would have just let it slide like uh, Hayden Wild has. Like most sports. Just let it slide? Yeah. It, it, was never, it was never prone to uttering words to the referees on a basketball court. Oh, Casey Frank is with us as we taught the Sales National Basketball League. How are you, Casey? I'm good, guys. Safety first. Safety first. You got the refs are right. You can't unclip. I mean, he's only ridden what ten thousand kilometers on a bike. He can't exactly. Clip. He he doesn't know what he's doing when he unclips the uh, unclips the helmet. Right? Anything <laughs> could happen, Casey. You, you should have the same rules for my five year old daughter in a triathlon as you should for professionals. It's a great great idea. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, oh, so, so your daughter's into the the, the kids' triathlons. No, but I definitely wouldn't let her unclip her helmet until she was off the bike safely. So, you know, there it is. Yeah. yeah. He's off the bike. He's parking the bike. He's actually off the bike. He's on his feet and he unclips the helmet. I don't know. The voice of reason, Casey yeah. Frank. It's, it's, not like, it's not dangerous like playing in the NBA in the 1990s, as Charles Barkley's and everyone else has told us this week. Hey, great, uh, Casey. It was apparently dangerous. The, it was, <laughs> apparently the 90s were equi- equivalent to the, the Blitzkrieg in World War I. Uh, I've seen some tape. I remember watching it live. I saw some hard fouls, but I don't know if it was quite a, a battle royale on every play. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a battle royale between generation today and generation of that. Um, you know, let it go. You're both, you, you're both fantastic in your eras, I would have thought. Let's get to our own competition, Casey. We've got eight days to go. I think there's eight regular season games to go on the sales uh, NBA, and it sounds like every single one of those games is going to have something riding on it. Fair to say it's congested in there, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, there's eight teams that have an excellent shot at getting through. Only three so far have clipped their ticket into the postseason. So you've got those five other teams fighting for three spots. And each team does have a foreseeable path. 
Uh, for some, it's easier than others. It's always good to control your own destiny, a la the Otago Nuggets, uh, who, who have a chance to do that. But they're outside of uh, the Sharks and the Jets, everybody's in, the, in it to win it still. So six make uh, the playoffs. Uh, what Do top two get a week off? Is that how it works? Uh, so it's not, not quite a week off. So the entire finals is going to happen up here in Auckland, and the top two are automatically qualify into the semifinals. Uh, of and of those, the, the high seed plays the low, low winner. But if you're the number one seed, uh, you're going to be sitting and you get, get to win and you get through to the final. The, the other semifinals play the night before and you get a day off of rest. So a lot, a lot goes into getting that one seed. You get more rest than anybody else. But, yeah, it's all about making the top six. Those final four weekends have been fun of yesteryear. Do you like this format, this current one? I, I do. I, I do like the format. I think it's good that six teams are getting in. Uh, there's enough talent uh, to foresee that. I think six teams, if they do get in, all have a legitimate shot or a pathway to actually winning the final. And, and it's really kept the excitement up uh, across the competition. You know, uh, everyone in the provinces, they're still, their team's still in it. It's something to cheer for. It's kept crowds up, and it's kept a uh, meaningful play on the court. Uh, a little bit of animosity from time to time as well, which I do appreciate. Casey, I've been enjoying uh, live Wellington well, mate, the Saints games. you're the fanboy of the NBL going around yeah, at the moment. Well, not, well, yes, NBL, but probably the Saints. Like, I just really enjoy the evening out. been taking my boys who are obsessed with basketball. I never grew up with the sport, but really enjoy the, the show they put on. But they were struggling uh, going back sort of three weeks ago. They were mud. Yeah, they were terrible. But th- they injected Upshaw Jr., um, and this is just my point of view. I watched him play, and he's he's created a little bit of uh, spice in that team. They're obviously missing Smith with injury. Will Smith be back? Because it looks like they've gathered momentum at the right time of the competition. Mark, how many questions are you going to ask him in one sentence? Four, I think. Four, I think. There were four <laughs> in there, Casey. It's okay, but they all sort of center around the same thing, which is the Saints Thanks. are playing better <laughs> basketball since the arrival of Reggie Upshaw Jr. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, in my opinion, the thing is, it's not just that he's a talented player, but it's allowed that really versatile lineup of forwards to get out of the post. They don't have to be the big man anymore. And Donnie Samuel, he, he was doing that gamely, but he was giving up some size when Tom Vodanovich had to do that. It was just too much of an ask for those guys to patrol the paint and still be offensive threats. Now, Reggie Upshaw has got offensive ability to shoot the three, so he hasn't affected the spacing at all. But defensively, he's able to sit in the middle and sort of clog that up, take that that uh, aspect of the job away from Xavier Cooks, and that's enabled that offense to really go free-flowing. When you look at the reinsertion of Mark Smith, he, he will be back. Uh, I think it was just a bit of illness that he was out with last week. Uh, and he does yeah. play some point guard position, and it takes the ball out of Xavier Cooks' hands, allow him to play off the ball. But, you know, when you see that team, I, I think – Mike Smith might be a little bit superfluous to their needs. I don't think they need him, but he's an extra great guy to have, especially with his shooting ability when he gets hot. Wow. I mean, he looks so dynamic just on the eye, like watching him play the speed and pace. And I mean, he's, he's not a very tall guy, but the ability to um, get the sort of hops that he gets, he, I, I sort of feel like he's almost one of the uh, most important playmakers. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. Well, well, for me, it's, uh, like they've got so much offensively. They've scored 100 points uh, six games in a row, and he certainly contributes to the uptick in that aspect. But they don't need more offense. Where I think the problem no. is, is defense, 
exactly. It, it, it's, a, it's a bit of an mm-hmm. issue. A little bit undersized. He tends to get picked on at times. Uh, teams have been really working him in the pick and roll and finding success there. Now, I, I think he can, he can be an excellent defender. But if you're asking me what their best lineup is, it's probably not with him. I, I'd probably go with uh, Xavier Cook, almost running that de facto point. And I'd buy Donnie Samuel, Tom Badanovich, and then Upshaw Jr. at the center. Mm. Uh, the Franklin Bulls, named after you, of course, uh, Casey. Um, they've had some wobbles in the last couple of weeks. You've been in the mix, and now you're just outside the playoff picture. Um, teams like that, you know, can go one way or the other, right? Because they'll be feeling the heat. They will be, and you know, not to make excuses for the Bulls, but I think they've lost more games uh, to both injury and to being called away for national team duty uh, than any other team in the competition. Right now, they don't have Peyton Bazant. He's, uh, he's still away. They just welcomed back uh, Isaac Davidson and Kane, Kyle, uh, Kane Bennett Kyle from the Tall Blacks. Uh, so that kind of roster turn has been difficult for them to manage. Uh, they're right on the cusp, but I think uh, last night in that first quarter, we saw what they could do offensively when everything's not focused on Corey Webster, and we had the breakout game possibly of his career for Anzac Rosetta when he dropped 27, also grabbed a, a double-digit rebound, so a double-double for him. But they just are struggling with the pace. They have the slowest pace in the league right now, uh, and the rest of the league has really upticked things in terms of the transition game. They struggle to keep up with the Taranaki Ayers, who are on that short list of title favorites. I think they've still got the ability to win a game. It's all down to these last two, and they don't control their own destiny anymore. But they can still certainly beat the Sharks, and I think uh, that will circle that last game against the Nuggets as one that will have finals implications on the very final game of the season in the South NBL. Which is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, now, you, you were involved with back-to-back victories with the Saints 2010-2011. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And what does it take to win this competition? I mean, the Saints are probably in a, a you've very... You've shortchanged him there, mate. He won about 12 of them. I know. He won many, but that <laughs> yeah. was back-to-back. Yeah, you've shortchanged him, dude. Seriously? Hey, I'm Seriously? a new fan. And like if, if Michael Jordan, I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan. He'll hang up. Uh, Casey Frank would hang up on him. But you, you, when, when, you meet, when you meet MJ, you're going to say, oh, you won the NBA three times in a row. Listen, I can go through his whole career history, and it's pretty, um, it's pr- pretty colourful. Uh, very colourful career. But Daniel likes to throw shade on my questions. Um, and, and I think he almost tries to get the guests to put the phone down on me, and then that would give him great pleasure. I'm going to put my mask on because he's stinking up the joint here. Wrong. What um, what does it take to win this competition, especially for you know coming from mid table or, or from behind? I, do you believe in momentum? Is it uh, power of the squad? Is it giving experience to all of the squad members going up to the those finals final games? Uh, the, the number one thing, thing I think it takes to, to win a title in New Zealand is toughness. Uh, I think uh, the toughest team in, in a matchup of between evenly matched uh, t- talent will, will end up winning. Uh, and that's you know both physical toughness on the court, but mental toughness to, to play through the bad times, uh, some tough calls, uh, that physicality you see on the court as well. And when you look at the favorites for this year, I think the the Giants have that. I think the Taranaki Airs have that. Yeah. And I think uh, the Wellington Saints, uh, those three teams look to me like the toughest, most talented teams, uh, mm. uh, both mentally and physically. And when we talk about the offense of the Saints, it's what the, the Giants, as we go north of Wellington, yes, north to Nelson, um, de- defensively, they, they're a real standout. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the head of snake for them is, is Jared West. His ability at the point of attack has been really phenomenal, leading league in assists and steals this year. Uh, at, at different times, he's really scored the ball well, too. He, he sets the, the focus for them. They've got a tenacious backcourt with a young Alex McNaught back there who's uh, transferred down to Nelson from Auckland a couple years ago and has really upped his game under the tutelage of Mike Fitchett. And they've got good core imports around that. I don't think the Giants have the depth of everyone else. Uh, so for, for me, their, their ceiling might not be quite as high as the Ayers or the Saints, but I think they have a higher floor. Uh, they, they just don't make mistakes. They never beat themselves. And, and I think that's a, a dangerous thing in and of itself at this time of the season. Casey, we'll get you out on this one. Uh, we'll go a little bit left field, as we like to do here on the Saturday session. I've just seen another replay of Hayden Wild, um, you know, unclipping the helmet. <laughs> I want to know, is there a pedantic rule in basketball you would like uh, removed from the laws of the game once and for all? Here's your chance to, to mount an emotional Remo- case. Oh, absolutely removed from the game. Uh, let, let me see. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of some of the flop stuff, but there are some floppers out there, so I appreciate that the refs have to call the flop occasionally. Um, you know, it's not it's tough to say. It's not so much the, the rules themselves. I guess it would be the interpretation of them. Uh, I think well, one, one in particular last night I saw Anthony Hilliard t- try and take a charge on Anzac Rosetto. Uh, Anzac Rosetto is about 127 kgs and 6'10". Uh, Anthony Hilliard is not. Uh, he took that, uh, took a knee to the chest and went down to the ground and then didn't get the charge. But then uh, official Tim Brown also told him, that's a flop, get on up. I'd like to, once a, a player takes that charge, I'd like to see just a referee have to stand in and take the same thing and then call it a flop at the same time. I like but it. That, well, what, about the, what about the four-pointer line? Would you, would you be keen to see that? Uh, you know, not, not particularly. Uh, you, I think when you get outside the NBA, the skill set of guys to be able to hit from that distance consider, uh, consistently probably drops off a bit. Uh, I'm happy with the way the, the game is scored in terms of threes and twos. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, the implication of uh, implementation of an elam ending, which is when you get to an overtime and both teams have to score 11 points in the first to like a, a, a set score instead of a set time. So you see a little bit more urgency at the end of those. Uh, not, not, that might be a, a rule tweak I'd be uh, open to. Casey, great to hear your voice. Great to have you back on the show, mate. Take it easy, my friend, and we'll catch up with you soon. Um, loving the coverage on Sky. Keep it up. Thanks a lot, Casey. Thanks for having me, boys. Eight games remaining in the uh, Sales MBL over the following eight days. The next eight days, it was uh, Franklin, uh, going, uh, Franklin going down last night, and now they sort of, ooh. Um, I think you why? owe me an apology. Why? Well, he only won back-to-back with um, oh, don't the Wellington out of this. He won, he won 12. Well, he won four, Didn't he? How many did he win? Four NZNBL champion, and then he won the All-Star five. Okay. Yeah. I was embellishing. Yeah, you were. To throw you off the scent. You did. You threw me off the scent. Here's another replay. That I'd like to know. 0800 Right, let's have a vent. Let's have a vent session. Rules in sport we want rid of. Oh, when the I ball- want the early unclipping of the helmet and the triathlon gone. Yeah, and don't I, Google what, that. Seriously, in all sincerity, anyone who knows the sport well, why is that a deal? Why is that a thing? We've just seen the footage. We've watched it. We've watched how, it in slow motion. How, how, how is that? The opposition... Worthy of a 10-second penalty. So one of the opposition triathletes, I saw him in the background, he took his whole helmet off before Hayden Wilde did. So You're I'm right. Not, I'm not too sure what the, the fuss is about. Okay, pedantic rules in sport you would like removed. Let us know. 0800 150 811.
Grant, you played cricket. There must be thousands. Oh, that wh- sport is filled with stupid, sorry, laws. Two thousand. You can't even call them rules. Two thousand nineteen <laughs> World Cup. The ball hits the bat of uh, the batsman while he's taking a single, and it goes off to the boundary for runs. That should be as soon as it hits the bat, it's dead a ball. dead ball. What about when they throw to the stumps, it's the stumps, and there's ricochet, and they get a, they get a lead by or whatever, it is, or a run? Uh, two to win. You only need two runs to win. Someone has a shy hits the stumps, you can't go back to that second, can you? So I don't, I don't know about that one. Ooh. I don't think it should go for a boundary. But, yeah, you, you get penalized for hitting the stumps for great fielding, don't you? Mm. Um, it's just a batter's game. Ben Francis will it's, surely have a well of suggestions in this. Being the bitter, dark human being that he can be. Red cards in rugby. Especially after a Warriors loss. I think red cards in sports, it should just be after the game. They get done. So at the end of the game, then there's a disciplinary and then you get done. So if I come in with a flying elbow to your beautiful face and break your nose, Mm -hmm. I should just be suspended after the game and I should be able to carry on. Yeah. Nah. Nice guy, aren't you? Yeah. Because nah, the thing I'm not, is, I'm not buying that one. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the uh, the athlete for an if, act of serious foul play. If you're an athlete that does that continually, so, you're going to lose your job. So the so, te- so the team you do it against mm-hmm. gets no gets receives no benefit. So I've stiff armed you across your beautiful face and and put your nose. You get a penalty, and you and you're, oh, you get a penalty, yeah, penalty, and you're off, and you can't play. You're straight off to the plastic surgeon. You <laughs> get the new guy on. Yeah, why not? Because oh, yeah, it, the, home get in the it ruins the game. Get in the sin no. bin, Grant. Yeah. It should be 15 versus 15, 6 the versus game. 6, the whole game. Yeah. Even for serious foul play. Yeah. And then at the end. That's not pedantic, though, is it? You discipline them. Ben Francis, you got a pedantic rule you'd like uh, removed from sport? You might have to give me the break. You, like to... <clears throat> you might need to give me yeah, the break. Yeah, so he wants to it. ruminate over it, not come up with absolute nonsense like that. Okay, so I'm you, sure the listeners will agree well, with Well, let me. us know. 0800 150 we, we will be back shortly. It's 19 minutes away from 11. And you on 0800 150 or text double eight double three. Jim from Tamuga writes, fantastic efforts put across Birmingham by the Kiwi Athletes. Track cycling was so good. They rode amazingly to get medals. Dame Sophie War, uh, just showed the country why she is a goat. I know triathlon was awarded a double gold and should do again as the men did nothing wrong. As the TV coverage shows, um, he's been absolutely robbed of the chance to race for gold. Uh, thank you very much, Jim. Um, and we've got here, gents, get rid of yellow card and rugby for going for an intercept. I have turned many games off this year when it happened. I don't care if it's intentional either, which is very, which it very rarely is. Throw a decent pass. I actually hate that stuffed-up rule. Rugby as a whole at the moment, though, is just rubbish. I've been watching for 35 years, and at the moment, I hate it. I'm actually thinking of not getting up at, in the night to watch South Africa. I'm not sure if the tone of this uh, text actually goes up as <laughs> high as I have. Um, but that's the, the way, um, that's the emotions I felt while reading it. I won't read it seriously. I've been watching for 35 years, and at the moment, I hate it. I'm actually thinking of not getting up to watch in South Africa would be the first time ever. Thank you very much, uh, Jaden. He um, got to the point, it opened up a whole world of hurt for him and an outpouring of emotion. And that's what uh, talk radio can be about.
uh, yeah. even if you are sending text messages. So he wants uh, the intercept in rugby. I quite like that. It's not a bad shout. It's a great shout. A lot of them are really frustrating, and they're clearly not deliberate. I saw uh, the... Justin Marshall would, would disagree with me. Yeah, so the... He's the quite strident on that, isn't he? Maori All Blacks, well, because he was a scrum half, you know, Jeez. always someone trying to, you know, get in the way. how scrum halves could come around the side mm. and, like, yeah. hands and have I a like crack. That. It's a restart. They niggly. It's a restart. They're like wicked You, t- you take scrums way too seriously, rugby. Mm. But it's, it, a, it's a way to restart the sport. Just so restart the sport. I watched the, watched the Maori All Blacks versus Ireland, and it was going into the last three minutes, and Ruben Love had a great game. It was here in Wellington. And I saw him. He was being aggressive. It was a two-on-one situation, and he went like he bolted out of the blocks to try and get the intercept. Missed it. They scored. But it was a moment where he thought, well, if mm. he got that intercept, he was away. And he was just being aggressive because they, they had their backs against the wall. I, I don't mind the intercept. I think that it changes the game like that. But, and it's also, it's, it's a risky uh, play. Because if you go for the intercept, it means that you're not marking a man. So it will create an overlap. I asked Brian Habana. He had a few of those, didn't he? Yeah. Right, the intercept came. We also want to know the pedantic rules based. Uh, this is off the back of uh, what's happened to our triathlete at the Commonwealth Games for unclipping his helmet, getting a 10-second penalty. A uh, chance for us. Uh, let's extinguish some of the pedantic rules in sport we're not comfortable with. Um, water polo uh, people out there, tell me if this is correct, because if, if this is correct, this needs to go, because it's hilariously silly. In water polo, apparently you're not allowed to splash water in an opponent's face. I like that. Have you ever watched Ball Apollo? It's like competitive drowning. <laughs> They're trying to drown people out there, but you're not allowed to flick water in the face. Judo in the water. Yeah, it's, it's like you. I can elbow you in the face, but I can't pat you on the back. Yeah, no red card. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Um, and apparently in chess, a player can lose a match if they've deemed, been deemed to show too much cleavage. Am I showing too much cleavage? Yes, you are. <laughs> what his shoes, aren't you, down there? Um, Do yeah, they measure that? Do they measure your cleavage after the game? Is that... During the game? Well, or? According to this little story, um, um, where this, was, this rule was uh, put in a chess tournament, according to the da- New York Daily News, two button limit due to crude comments from the spectators. Mm. The, the, more than two buttons were open. Is it male and female? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize the chess spectator group was so randy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? I'm actually not going to watch beach volleyball. Yeah. I'm going to watch the chess. I'm going to watch the chess because there's way too much cleavage in chess. Yeah. Maybe that rule needs to go. Maybe you get more people watching chess. I don't know. Uh, ben Francis, you've had time to ruminate. What rules in sport would you like rid of? Blow up the bunker completely. Just everything about it gone. I'd be happy. So no video referees at all. Well, they had a video referee. Or would you have a would you ha- would you have a TMO at the ground? Yeah, you'd have a TMO, but they don't need. That's essentially what the bunker is. They just glorified it to make it look like they were doing everything fancy, and just look how often it fails. Okay, so that, it's not really a pedantic rule. You just want to blow up the bunker. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you got that off your chest. Is there is there anything else? Uh, I would say maybe cricket, but we'll save that for another day. Oh, you want to blow up the sport of cricket? <laughs> wow. We'll leave it at that. Is it? There's a few pedantic rules in cricket. That that hundred and twenty dollars that he lost is still very bitter, young man. Yeah, You're way too young to be that bitter. Really minutes away from eleven o'clock. Back after this, coming up to the top of the hour. Let's play another exciting edition of Know Your Commonwealth Games. Grant Elliott is Belize in the Commonwealth. Yes.
Correct. It's Genovia in the Commonwealth. Low. No, correct. That was the uh, made-up country in uh, the Princess Diaries, which I understand <laughs> you're a very big fan of. Massive fan. Massive fan. Yeah, huge. Oh, all right, really interesting week. Scott Robinson dropped some uh, you know, nuggets. Uh, Sir Steve Hansen uh, got in the act. Uh, we're going to touch on that. We're going to talk the NRL in the next hour as well. Great weekend. Well, great week if you're a Christian fundamentalist who follows the NRL, right? Well, well, well. Cover yourself in glory. What a weird story that was. Disappointing to say the least. But we'll talk the action on the park, including the Warriors lost last night at the Storm. Plenty to come. Keep your nominations uh, coming through to us uh, for your Sleep Drops performance of the week. We will be back after this to talk uh, some Scott Robertson and Foster All Blacks. What's going on there? Oh, interesting. Bang on 11am, hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning. This is the Saturday session on SCNZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. Grant Elliott, my running mate, each and every week alongside our producer extraordinaire, Mr. Ben Francis. Our number is 0800-150-811. Would love to get uh, your contribution to the program, whether it's uh, over the phone or via text double eight double three. Every week we run a little competition, thanks to the team at Sleep Drops, the performance of the week. Uh, New Zealand's only range of sleep and stress support supplements. Um, there is a wonderful prize pack uh, put up by Sleep Drops, and all we need from you, because you need your rest, of course, uh, Grant, to perform well. We all need our rest to perform well. We want to know our sporting performances of the week. Uh, you can uh, send your nominations via text. Give us a call, though, 0800 if there is one that is standing out that uh, you want to shout from the rooftops about. I- I'm making a late entry um, Scotland, New Zealand in the Commonwealth Games hockey match this morning. That was fantastic viewing. Five all it finished. Scotland up 5-1 on track for a huge upset. Huge upset, not only beating New Zealand, but the scoreline, 5-1. To come back from that, that is uh, you know, quite some effort from New Zealand. Okay, the first half is an absolute shambles. What happened after? Uh, better. So I'm going to make a late nomination for that. I'll get to another of my nominations later, but one for you, Mr. Elliott. You've got to go for gold medals, don't you? Sophie Pascoe. Well, I'm not if you're a Commonwealth Games poo-pooer like uh, you and Ben Francis. I'm not a poo-pooer. I love the Commonwealth Games. Woke up this morning. It was the first thing I looked at. News of how many medals came through for New Zealand. Uh, It's a medal tally. And to me, it's all about uh, patriotism. That's what it is. It's about being proud of your country. And I think as a parent, you've got to put the TV on, get the kids watching it. I'll be like, what sport is that? You're like, that's cycling. We just won gold. So I think my nomination will be the, uh, the quartet, uh, if that is what it's called, of our cyclists who actually got a world record uh, or a Commonwealth Games record. So um, that's a great turnaround for Cycling New Zealand because I, I know that they did a, a review of what was happening in cycling and it wasn't going so, so well. So um, they've done extremely well and we've got highlights of it in the studio at the moment. So that's excellent. And Sophie Pascoe, I mean, she's been... Dame Sophie Pascoe has been unbelievable for uh, New Zealand and once again getting gold in the S9 100 metres. Yeah, so bravo to all of those who've uh, tasted success on day number one. Three gold, that's uh, in cycling the men's team pursuit, uh, the women's team sprint, and as Grant has just mentioned, Dame Sophie Pascoe in the women's S9 100 metre freestyle. Three silvers too, cycling delivering in spades, silver medal in the women's team pursuit. Uh, while we also uh, had a triathlon, a rather com- controversial silver medal for Hayden Wild, um, although that could change based on appeal after he was um, pinged 10 seconds for what we think is unclipping his helmet. 
Uh, silver medal also to Jesse Reynolds in the men's 100-meter backstroke S9 final, while in the cycling bronze medal to the men's team pursuit. Um, other notable results, uh, the Silver Ferns started the netball campaign with a 79-21 over the Northern Irish side. Um, based on that uh, triathlon, we've been asking you today to... Um, to express the, the annoying rules in sport you'd like uh, removed. Uh, when a scrum is awarded, the clock stops till the ball is out. Stop time-wasting, writes Charlie. So Charlie's trying to actually insert a rule there, but I understand what he's saying there because there does seem to be a lot of time wasted in rugby when it comes to scrum resets. Mm. So he just wants the clock stopped when they go to a scrum. So the ball goes in from the scrum half and, you know, takes its time. Well, no, they go down. What he's saying is the moment they go to a scrum, you stop the clock. Yeah. And you might have 15 scrum resets, but you've wasted no time. All oh, right. So only once that the scrum is complete does the time start. Yeah, what Charlie's doing there is uh, showing us he has absolutely no faith in uh, World Rugby actually fixing the scrums mm. um, and that uh, timekeeping might be the only way to sort of uh, abate the, the loss of time. That yeah, yeah. And Nathan from South and Wright's triathlon needs a bunker. Blow up the footage of Hayden's hand on the helmet. Clip rock and roll to see it when the bike is parked and when the strap uh, pops loose. Imagine the tension. New fans instantly attracted to the sport. Thank you, Nathan from Southland. <laughs> so we must be right then. You have to park your bike before you take the strap off. But if you look at the footage... No, we don't know the rules. That's why we ask people who follow the sport to call us um, and educate us. And I think we've nailed it now, though. Haven't we? Have we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You've got you to park the bike first before you take your strap off, whereas it looks like they both happen pretty much at the same time. And I think I think he's got a strong case for the appeal. I'm going to give gold to, you heard it here first, Hayden okay. Wild. Okay. Gold. <laughs> Congratulations, Hayden Wild. Grant Elliott has given you a gold. Grant Elliott, of course, is um, an expert on all things Commonwealth Games, aren't you, Grant? <laughs> Except the country's in it. Yeah, well, should we Population. play another... Let's play another exciting episode of Know Your Commonwealth Games, Grant Elliott. Oh, no. Do we have to? <laughs> I don't... It's pretty clear I don't know my Commonwealth Games. Is the Gambia in the Commonwealth? Ooh, the Gambia or Gambia? No, it's called the Gambia. I'm pretty sure it's just called Gambia. No, I'm pretty sure it's called the Gambia. The Gambia. How much are you willing to bet on this? I'm clearly <laughs> sensing an opportunity to take a lot of money off you. Okay, I'm going to say Gambia are in the Commonwealth. Uh, they are not. Oh. They're not in the Commonwealth. But the Gambia is. But are uh, <laughs> the Gambia at the Commonwealth Games? <laughs> yes, yes, they, they are. are. Oh, Go figure. Well, as I did say, 52 member um, states of the Commonwealth, but 72 nations competing. You're right. It is called the Gambia. Yeah. And I grew up in... Africa. Yeah, and, and someone adding on this triathlon issue, I think the most annoying part of the triathlon is how can it take till the Commonwealth Games are finished to review it, and why not on the same day? Yeah. Here, here. Great that call. That just seems ludicrous, doesn't it? Great call. It has to be done on the day. Because we've got footage of it. You know, there's broadcast. Surely all they need is, you know, mm. a, an expert to come in and go, right, you need an appeal on this. Because we've got a poor Englishman who... Does he celebrate his gold or not? He doesn't know if he's getting gold. Then you've got Hayden Wilde who's celebrating his gold and he's got silver. So I think maybe, which was the sport where they both got uh, gold in the Olympics? It was the high jumping, 
wasn't it? Yeah, they shared it. They shared the gold. Yeah, oh, come on. Oh, you didn't like you that. Did you? you hated that. No. You hated it. That was the, you did poo-poo that one, and I understand where you're coming from. Another episode of uh, Know Your Commonwealth with Grant Elliott. Uh, is Florin in the uh, Commonwealth? Florin. F-L-O-R-A-N. F-L-O-R-I-N. Florin. No. No, you're right. That is the uh, mythical place in The Princess Bride, starring Carrie Owls and Robin White. <laughs> it just didn't sound... You know, you, you're actually putting two of my worst subjects together Lily here. Putt. Is, <laughs> Lily, is Lily Putt in the Commonwealth Games? History Pretty and sure geography. That was, that was the mythical place Horrible. in Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> uh, but yes. All right, I'd love to, to raise um, this with both um, you, Grant, and Ben Francis, and also... Um, those listening on 0800-150-811. Some really interesting uh, comments made by uh, Scott Robertson during the week. Uh, dropping a rather large um, info nugget on New Zealand rugby. Saying he is open to offers. Not from other clubs. Crusaders fans, relax. But other nations too. He's, in, he's interested in international rugby. It's very, very clear. I'll pull out a few of the quotes. He's told uh, Jim Hamilton, by the way, in, a, in Hamilton's podcast, former Scottish rugby forward is Jim Hamilton. Uh, and I'm quoting uh, Robertson as he told the Big Jim show, if New Zealand rugby want me, great. If there's another country I wouldn't go to a club now, I really want to go to a World Cup. I genuinely want to go to a couple. It's one job, the All Blacks coach. Um, and when someone doesn't give it to you, you have to think differently about what opportunities are out there. I'm 47. I'll be 52 by the time of the next Rugby World Cup. I want to go to two or three and test myself, push myself. I am open to offers, yeah. Uh, he is uh, contracted to the Crusaders, of course, through to 2023. Uh, but he's clearly thinking beyond that. Another couple of uh, lines. Uh, it would be great to win a World Cup with your own country, which I want to do. That is the foremost thing. But I would love to do it with another country. And I'm not sure what the order is. What do you make of those comments? Well, I mean, we, we've just seen Brendan McCullum go and coach England. You know, it's professional. It's your, your livelihood. Why do we need to keep Scott Robertson here? And when you look at the... Um, well, he may arg- arguably be the best rugby coach in New Zealand. He may be. But, I mean, when I look at Graham Henry, we were talking about this, um, about Foster last week, and we were saying, is the fact that he doesn't have international experience, and I might be wrong here, but Sir Graham Henry, he coached uh, Wales, British and Irish Lions. Hanson too. Argentina, and so did Steve Hansen. Whereas Scott Robertson, you look at his sheet, he's been in New Zealand. So maybe it's a good thing. And I think that when we look at coach development in the country, isn't it a good thing that they go and learn new skills and new cultures and trying to get the best out of players that are outside the culture that you know? I think that can only be a good thing. It develop the coaches and hopefully... You'd like to think that they'd come back at some stage if you can offer them a package that is desirable. It was really interesting to see Sir Steve Hansen actually raise this uh, amongst a variety of topics with Tover O'Brien during the week. Timing, really interesting for me. But uh, to, to this point about coaching overseas first, uh, he said about Robinson, I don't think it matters as long as you are flexible in your thinking and develop your rugby mind as you go. You can do it here in New Zealand or overseas. Um Steve Hansen did add that Razor is just positioning himself and good on him. I think Robertson is a wonderful coach and his time will come mm. and we'll see if he's ready or not. Well, it's, that's, a bit, it's th- that's just someone saying 
I don't want to poo-poo Ian Foster. He's he's no, on the fence. Yeah, Foster's my boy, and I you know you go. Um, I work with him, and I want Foster to succeed. Um, he also added uh, the difference between Super Rugby and International Rugby is massive. He has a great record, and he can coach. Yeah. Self-evident. Well, I think, but but I do wonder. I I think here in New Zealand, and I've described it. Um, Brendan McCullum's now in the friend zone for me. He's in the friend zone. We're out of love with Brendan now. He's coaching England. He's just in the friend zone. But I actually wonder if he went to England and coached England and rugby, if the general public would stomach that as well. So I remember asking you if you would coach every international cricketing side. Mm. You said yes to all but one. Yeah. Are there are there sp- are there rugby fans out there where there's a bridge too far as far as? Robertson coaching or does all the angst come and, sh- and frustration come back on NZR for letting him go in the first place? I think it's probably the latter Aust- than the first. Australia would be a great challenge, wouldn't it? Well, we've had New Zealanders coach Australia before. We've got one there now. We've had Robbie Deans coaching England. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, the only thing is we don't play England uh, enough, you might argue. But then I guess that our coaches here in New Zealand do get a really good pay package where you'd say with New Zealand cricket, if would, we wouldn't even be able to compete against England's pay package. Mm. But I do think overseas experience can only be a good thing. What about our coaching development? And I think we lack in coaching development um, throughout. I mean, you know, I look at Razor Robinson's... Um, but we've been exporting here. coaches around the world for a long, long time. Yep. I don't think there's a lack of New Zealanders coaching rugby. No, but it's that pathway. It's about, you know, that care of a coach and saying almost that progression for them going on and coaching the black, uh, the All Blacks. And w- what, it's, what it's been is just a succession of assistant coach, which has worked in the past. But now people are, I guess, looking at it or fans and, and saying, well, maybe this isn't the way just because of the results we've had lately. And Steve Hansen, interestingly... In that um, outburst, I guess you call it, uh, he had doubts about the under-19s n- or under-20s rugby. Yeah, we'll get more into Hanson's quotes a little bit later in the week mm. words. Uh, he, he, he came up, there were lots of very interesting thoughts. Costa writes via text, Morning boys, if the NZR let Razor go, it will start a riot. Uh, Costa, I, 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 I don't encourage that (laughs) (laughs) the understatement of the year and Aaron writes New Zealand Rugby have sold the jersey to all the so-called sponsorship and not focusing on making sure the All Blacks continue to develop Uh, Hanson is correct and some of the players are more focused on their appearance and social media rather than the jersey that's your interpretation I I just think it's modern sport I think you can do both right I think you can be active on social media and still be a professional in sport can you not yeah, well, I th- you have to market yourself, definitely. I mean, you look how active you are on social media. Yeah. Very active. Once a, every three months. G'day, uh, you've got your hand up, Ben Francis. This, this is class or something. Well, it's just so I get your attention, but I kind of feel like with uh, with Razor that he's everywhere he's gone, he's gone at Canterbury, the under-20s, the Crusaders, and he's had success everywhere he's gone, and he probably wants to know, what is your future plans for me? I've won six straight Super Rugby titles. 
I need something, I, I need like a plan here. And if he's not going to get that plan from New Zealand rugby, then he probably does want to go coach another team overseas. And but they, they can't really give him a plan, can they? Because their, their hope is the guy they're backing will win the next World Cup. And so who then, knows if so, Ben so Foster wants another go around. So then you can't blame him then if he wants to go to England and coach No, or, I don't blame him. I'm with you. Or, or, I don't blame I, him. Totally. Me, me, me being me, I would love it if uh, the Scottish Rugby Union hired him and got rid of Gregor Townsend, but that's just me. And, well, uh, a guy called Robertson coaching Scotland makes a whole heap of sense to me. Robertson. But I think he would like to win a World Cup, wouldn't he? Well, he says that. He says he'd like to. So he's not going to coach Scotland. He's not going to take uh, Scotland. G'day, Dave. Welcome to the show. Hello, Dave. G'day, man. Hey, look, a couple of things with Razor. First of all, you just mentioned that he wants to win a World Cup with another country, so... We're only talking six countries. The other thing is, 2029... Who are they, just out of interest? Who can win a a World Cup? uh, France, South Africa, Ireland, England, Aussie, maybe New Zealand. New New Zealand's last on the list. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to go and coach England. Just That's the thing. A bit like Bears, he's he's just a friend now. As long as he doesn't sing the anthem, he's okay. Hey, um, what we're missing, though, is 2029 Lions Tour to New Zealand. Do you really want... Holy heck, Dave! It's seven years ago! It's seven years away, Dave! I know, but that cycle comes round. So he's got another year with Crusaders, four years for the next World Cup, two years after that, Lions. That's how it works. It'll come round. And do you want him coaching the Lions? Uh, A series lost in New Zealand to the Lions, coached by Razor. Well, the New Zealand Herald will, because um, if it doesn't go well, they can put up their clown face um, uh, articles all the time, like they did with the last one. Barisat organisation. The only way way we get Razor back is uh, when we get the Kong Games in New Zealand and we offer break dancing, and he comes back (laughs) and gets the gold. Maybe there's but, more. Maybe there's more chance of Razor competing at the Paris Olympics in breakdancing <laughs> than coaching the All Blacks. It's a it's a sport, isn't it? It is in the sport. next Olympics. Yeah. Breakdancing. Isn't it? Isn't it? A, cool. Yeah, it's a sport. Next time, yeah, he could come back as the champ. There you go. Hey, good on you, Dave. Hey, um, We're going to get to a break. Oh no, carry on. Okay. Last thoughts. Fire away. I, See you, mate. Got to go. We're, we've got to talk some NRL after this break. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session. On SENZ, my apologies, Dave. We, we, there was a slight delay between us and the telephone line, and um, I missed the fact that you wanted another point. Being scolded by the eyes of my co-host. No. Wow. No, no, no. I'm just. Uh, I'm interested. Talk about the, a hard steer. You're like Paddington Bear. No, the feedback from uh, Scott Robertson. It's you know, it's still hurting. The fans out there are still hurting, and oh, the Grant, NZIU we're going to South media Africa. just do keeps you, going. Do you think New Zealand's going to win in South Africa? Um, I think it'll be a great series. I don't know. Yeah, and I they lose know. in South Africa. It's it's back to go. Do not collect two hundred bucks. Let's start this conversation again. Mm. You know what's coming. Yeah, every yeah. loss in Foster's gonna it's gonna be under the blowtorch. What's going to be difficult is the players to express themselves when they go to South Africa with all this media heat on them. Oh, to go in there, express, express themselves, and spoken, play with no fear. Spoken like a modern day athlete. We will take a short break. We will talk the NRL. We can't wait to do that after this break. It's 19 minutes away. Uh, sorry, 19 minutes after 11. 23 minutes after 11 o'clock. We will talk NRL in just a moment. But right now, another exciting episode of Know Your Commonwealth Games with Grant Elliott. Brilliant. Grant, 
is Zambia in the Commonwealth. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Positive? Yes. Lock it in? Lock it in, Congratulations. Eddie. Is Zubroka in the Commonwealth? No. No, you're right. That is uh, a figment of Wes Anderson's uh, creation of uh, from the movie The Grand Hotel Budapest. Sorry, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Good movie, that one. And you've Have got you it bold there, Zabrowka. Zabrowka. It was almost throwing me off the scent, wasn't it? Exactly. Exactly. A couple of text messages. We, 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 we've talked about the New Zealand triathlete who's been removed from the gold medal position down to silver. Ten-second time penalty because he unclipped his helmet before he parked his bike correctly, we, we believe. We've been asking for your pedantic sporting um, rules, stories. Someone writes here, Playing social football once and a high ball got launched into the skies. It's coming down. I call mine. And the referee penalised me for it. Still not sure if it's an actual rule or the ref was winding me up. Seemed a little pedantic. I think that is a rule. I remember being what? a full back, full back and you had to call your name, I think. What? Was no, a, he's talking football. Uh, that was the same in rugby. Really? No, what? nonsense. What a, you had to... You could actually mark it in the air back in those days. You'd get a good Grant! dump and you had pull to back. Your name. Grant! Tells me everything you, I need to know. Let's talk the NRL, um, and we are utterly delighted to welcome to the program a, a man who's probably had a busy week, fair to say, Grant. Um, George Clark joins us out of uh, AAP, uh, League of Journalists Extraordinaire. Um, George, give me, give me an adjective to describe your week in the NRL. Uh, thanks for having me on, fellas. Uh, busy. <laughs> like, where, where, where do you start? I go, and leave, I go and leave next week and uh, probably wish I'd taken it a week early. Yeah. Um, the word to describe the Manly Seagulls week? Uh, oh, God, where do you... I'm not sure what I can say without swearing on radio. So, yeah, it's a... Hellish? It was a, it was a de, de, debacle. Yeah, hellish comes to mind. There's got to be some sort of heaven and hell. There's got to be some sort of religious trope in there. Uh, extraordinary. Now that you've had a few days to sort of ruminate over this uh, whole scenario, how do you reflect upon it now? Um, and please do not swear, even though I understand your sentiment. I, I cannot believe this shit, excuse my language, still happens in 2022. The... The, the crazy thing is, I was speaking to someone yesterday, and, and for example, I was at the Parramatta game last night. Nathan Cleary gets sent off. Massive story. Kevin Proctor gets sacked for being on his phone and vaping in a toilet. That would usually be a massive story. Kalen Palmer potentially not playing again this year through concussion. Potentially a massive story. The Tigers getting robbed at the death up in Townsville. Another massive story. But the Manly stuff has just, yeah, blown it all away. And I think it all comes down to the idea was obviously well-placed. But the communication and kind of implementation with their players was handled disastrously. Now, if you had your time again, do you tell the players four weeks out and say, hey, guys, if any of you have concerns or, or you know, objections for whatever reason, whether it's cultural, religious, etc., come talk to us. And by the way, Ian Roberts, you know, one of the first ever openly gay male athletes, used to play for our club. Sit down with him and listen to why this story is important and why we are raising awareness for this particular cause. Yeah, I'm shaking my head, really. I, uh, I don't know where to turn. I, I don't know where to think. Uh, I, I sh and I'm right in thinking here, George, and, and you're across this far better than I. None of the players have actually um, have come out and spoken about why it's such a big deal for them. 
No, and I think that's the thing and why it's probably going to fester as a, as a bit of a, you know, Manly have got a, a okay run home to the finals, but they're not locked in there. And I think those guys are going to have to speak sooner or later. And they play the Eels at home next week, the Titans, then the Sharks, Raiders, who are also chasing a spot in the eight, and the Bulldogs, who are no easy beats anymore. So this whole thing's going to drag on a bit because those guys are then going to come back in. There's going to be a fascination about, you know, we want to hear from them, get their perspective on things, whether they actually want to talk is different. You know, Scott Penn, the Manly owner, is based in the States, and he came out and, um, on Thursday. He flew over to Sydney. He gave lots of interviews, put out a public statement. We've not heard anything from the players. Now, I'm sure in good time we will, but obviously it's a quite a sensitive issue for some of them to, to talk about. Do you really guess... think, George, do you really think they're going to speak about it? I think they're going to be dancing a merry dance to, to get away from the likes of you and your, and your colleagues. Uh, I think it's, it, depends, it depends who it is in the group because some of those guys are very quiet anyway and don't really say much, and some guys have, aren't afraid to give an opinion. I think of Josh Halloye, one of the more outspoken guys and doesn't kind of miss mm-hmm. his words. So I think if he, you know, and he's obviously the more, more senior guy, you know, I think from memory he's played for New Zealand, he's played for Samoa. He's the kind of guy who I think would be good to come out and say, this is, these were my concerns. And I think that would allow the other guys to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a complete disaster from start to finish. And like I say, it, it was well thought out, well, well considered idea. Well, well, you know, in the in the brain and then it's obviously there's been a breakdown in communication along the line which has led us to the you know international headlines all through the week focused on manly you know people calling them bigots homophobes and whatever else that people are going to label that people are going to attach them yeah and and i understand that because i I look at that story and i go there's seven from one club there's seven from one club how many across the other clubs is the first thing my brain went to and, and People do take giant leaps. Grant, do you have, do you have any questions on this? Or, you know? No, I think, uh, George, uh, great to have you on the show. I think you're bang on. It's more about communication. Um, you know, we had, um, you know, an uh, all-inclusive uh, rainbow laces that we could wear during cricket, but the communication was there sort of a month before. And um, I think the players need to be included in a lot of decisions that get made and not just thrust upon the players. Um, and that expectation that everyone is just going to, um, you know, I guess roll over. Like the main thing that an athlete is um, is keen to do is get on that field and play football. And sometimes, and I'm not saying this right or wrong, but sometimes, you know, there's a lot of noise outside of the sport and you just want to get out there and play football. Mm. And it becomes about these other issues rather than, you know, how you how you behave on the football field. So, a lot of these players probably haven't had to think about this sort of stuff in the past, and now they're thrust into a corner, and um, there's obviously a majority of players that, that have an opinion on it, and they're in a, a position where they're not used to being put in a very controversial position that doesn't involve the sport. The, the other thing with it, you mentioned the laces there. like The laces campaign, they've done that in the Premier League and you know, all, all different competitions, and it's like the guys can put thread them through their shoes, and, you know, it's a nice symbol and it says, you know, it, it certainly sends a message, whereas the jersey being kind of forced upon people who might maybe have objections to that, then, you know, opens a can of worms because it's, you know, you, like you say, it's something which is being, being um, 
been kind of rammed down their throats, and that might be difficult for some guys to stomach. Whether that's right or wrong is a different matter, but that that's just the the the, the reality of it. And and we've seen in the past, um, we've seen you know Hashi Mamla, a Muslim player in South Africa. The principal sponsor was Castle Lager, alcohol sponsor, and he said, "Well, I'm not wearing that." And you know, Sonny Bill Williams with the NFA. Yeah, yeah. So I think that. Maybe the choice should be there for players, but they, they shouldn't be, you know, thrown over the, or the you know, the stakes and fire um, because of their, their beliefs. And uh, there should certainly be communication um, going into it all. Yeah. In all seriousness... Oh, no, carry on, George. Carry on. No, no, I'll see you. I'll see you. It, it, my, my point was just going to be... That, 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 that's, that's the thing, right? You know, we don't have any issue where you mention Amler or... Um, you know, guys with different beliefs. You know, I think of Moe and Ali when England won the World Cup and didn't want to be, or, you know, various test series and didn't want to be near the champagne. You know, we're actually quite accommodating of people's different beliefs, mainly religious ones in sport when we when we need to be. But then this has been so kind of poorly thought out and then the players are made out to be the, you know, the, the you know, the bad guys in all of this and their concerns or, or objections, you know, that, that's yeah. something that's really quite deep for them, and we need to understand that their perspective as well. Yeah, and, that, and that's my point about uh, them speaking for themselves uh, to uh, articulate it. Um, even though, and again, I'm leaping to conclusions of what they're going to say and, and the reasons behind, and I, I know I'm going to disagree with, with that, but I, I'll fully listen to them, for sure. I will fully listen to them. As far as uh, that jar of licorice, all sorts of issues that you just rattled off, at the top of the interview, is there anything else in there that you'd like to talk about? A guy, a guy vaping on the toilet at halftime? What is this social sport? <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of fifth grade cricket, cricketers getting the sack if, if, if they bought him <laughs> that, that, across all competitions, right? But yeah, Kevin Proctor's a strange one. You know, like he'd left Melbourne and he was one of the best forwards in the world. And like most people, who go to the Gold Coast, their career can tend to kind of fizzle out. And he, he was no exception. So I don't know whether the fact he's not been playing and that was almost a, a kind of, you know, a plea or a cry for help and say, come on, someone sack me, get me out of this mess. Um, but it wasn't actually the vaping, which has probably landed him in the hot water. It's the fact that he had a mobile phone on him, which I don't know if you guys are aware, but obviously you can't, you can't have them in exactly. what they call clean air because, you know, it could lead to potential, you know, insight into gambling and so on and so forth. So um, that's probably the real reason he ended up getting a flick. And then, you know, in a usual week, that would have been a massive story. And like I said, then, yeah, there's the, the other issues, Kalen Ponga, uh, the West Tigers, um, and then Nathan Cleary getting sent off last night. Yeah. Well, George, um, you know, something funny, it's given me flashbacks into one of my first sort of league games in South Africa where we had an elderly opening bowler. He's probably in his sort of mid-40s, my age now. And uh, he would put his, his durry or his pole at the top of his runner and just leave it there and bowl the ball, come back and take another puff and then run <laughs> and bowl. But the the Sea Eagles they were they were looking pretty good at some stage you know they they hit the storm thirty six thirty and then came back against the Knights back to back wins forty two twelve where do you see their season going now I mean this is so disruptive in a team and um, do you see them making that top eight 
I think they've run. I think the crucial game is the penultimate game of the season against Canberra, because okay, they might beat Parramatta at home next week, but and then they'll probably beat the Titans. They've got Cronulla, I think, the week after that at home again. And Brookie's been quite a quite a stronghold for them this year. But playing Canberra away, I think it's yeah, I think it'll be down in Canberra where it's cold at the moment, and and the Raiders are chasing them. So I think. Those guys coming back in, it's not going to be, you know, you you and they being in a team sport, you've got to trust the guy next to you. And, yeah. you know, there's clearly a disconnect between a lot of the guys who who didn't play and the and the guys who did play. Now, they might come out and say, oh, yeah, it's happy families. But deep down, surely they're kind of, you know, not, you know, I'd be pretty aggrieved if, if a guy missed out. We, if we missed the finals because we lost the game because some guy wouldn't wear a jersey you know and I think that if they maybe lose next week that resentment probably will grow from within um, mm. so yeah it's a. I think they're probably just going to miss out and that game against the Roosters another team vying for the top 8 might, might be the one that, that tips it against them uh, The Warriors and Storm uh, the Storm obviously got the win last night 24 points to 12 it was pretty tight in that first half, but I'm not sure how much of the game you saw. They, they sort of galloped away in the second, as, as you probably would expect when you look at where those sides are, are placed on the ladder. Yeah, well, the Warriors lost Chanel last night to an injury. I don't know the, the severity of that, but then um, Melbourne probably... It's probably just... A, uh, you know, both teams not going in great form, but with Melbourne, it's probably one of those where they just found a way. And that's what they've always been great at. And, you know, haven't been doing that in the last couple of weeks, but I think maybe, you know, a bit more familiarity with the lineup and the team. I think there are a couple of guys now who picked up injuries out of that game. Um, you know, that was really a big game for Melbourne because I don't think they'd lost five in a row since 2012. So it goes to show how good a, a coach Craig Bellamy is and what a good squad they have there. Um, and for the Warriors, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, you you would have watched it a lot, lot closer than I did because I was just getting to the game. But from the bits I saw, they were, yeah, kind of gallant and, and, and were in the fight. And then it's probably just those, you know, they're obviously missing a few guys and some guys know they're leaving and they're probably just, you know, the novelty of being back in Auckland probably worn off on the second time. And I think a lot of those guys, I think there'll be a different outlook for the Warriors once they're actually back on on, on New Zealand soil and, and can kind of put down roots because... You got people kind of forget they have been a transient club for three yeah. years, and we, you know, we can bash the change of coaches, changing the revolving door of players, all those kind of things. It, it is pretty hard when you, you know, living out of a suitcase and don't know where you're going to be, you know, month to month. So hopefully they can turn a bit of a corner. Last one from me, and we really do appreciate your time. Currently, uh, the top eight has the Roosters in eighth after their win this. Uh, this around. They're on 22 competition points, having played 19 games. The Seagulls, two points behind, have played 19. The Raiders also on 20. So too are the Dragons. Both have played 18. So three sides still outside of the eight who can make the eight in all likelihood. Who's best positioned to do so of those outsiders? The Eagles, the Seagulls rather, the Raiders and the Dragons. I think if it's going to be any team, it's probably going to be the Raiders. They play the Gold Coast today, and then they have Penrith at home next week. And that'll be a Penrith side, I'm presuming, without Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai and potentially Stephen Crichton. So there's never probably been a better time to play the Panthers. Um, they've only got the Dragons. The Knights are going nowhere. The Sea Eagles, 
and the Tigers, who again are going nowhere. So those two games with the Dragons and Sea Eagles, if they can jag one of those wins and maybe upset Penrith, I think it's probably the Raiders will come home with a wet sail. George, do you, um, when you have a week off from NRL, do you breathe a real big sigh of relief just because of all the controversy that happens in the NRL? I was never brought up with uh, rugby league, but ever since I've been in New Zealand, it's not a, a, a dull week, is no, it? No, I, I always joke that it's the NRL stands for never really about the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I, think, I think that's a fair reflection. It's one of those where, you know, we have quiet weeks and people turn it, you know, you say to colleagues in the press box, oh, God, there's nothing really happening, is there? You know, we need a story <laughs> in this week. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be nice, you know, if a player did something stupid and in the space of, you know, what is it, six days we've had, like I said, at the, at the top of the at the top of the segment, you know, the Tigers robbery up in Townsville, Kalen Ponga, Kevin Proctor, Nathan Cleary, and then the, the Manly stuff has kind of overshadowed it. I guess the people who would have been happiest the most after the Tigers robbery would have been the NRL because... The, the, the manly the manly furore has just taken all eyes off of that incident and um you know the stuff ups from the video ref and the um the you know adjudication to give the cowboys that penalty on the last last play of the game brilliant stuff george go enjoy your week off thoroughly deserved week off by the sounds and thanks so much for stopping by chatting to us here in new zealand before you take your well-earned break. Thanks a lot, George. No vaping in the uh, toilets of the airplane. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Do, do other things yeah, there. Yeah. All right. Nice one. Cheers, Jen. George Clark joining us. AAP Rugby League journalist. Busy week for the journalists covering the NRL, fair to say. Yeah, I think it's a, bu- it's a busy week for journalists, but I also I empathise with the players in a way. You know, sometimes things get sprung upon you as a player. You've got your head... You know, in the game, you've been waiting for the game, and then suddenly something from totally outside the game, left field, comes in. And, um, you know, one of the things was, you know, Black Lives Matter. Is that still a thing? Is that still, do you have to do that before the game? Like sometimes they're always doing it, sometimes they're not. And normally the communications is like right before you go on, hey, after the anthems we're doing this, or there's a jersey. Um, And some players might, you know, take exception to it. I don't think they should. What, I'm, about, what I'm, hell to die on that? I'm, I'm about all inclusiveness, and um, but some people aren't, and you have to re- respect, I guess, opinions of all people out there. Oh, listen to their different. opinions. I don't have to respect it. No, right. yeah, they're entitled to it. Yeah, I don't have to agree with it. Totally, that's how the world works. Yeah, and as I said to George, we're leaping to our own conclusions for the reason mm. why they have done this because. None of them have been brave enough to talk. Mm. And it might well be communication of the organisation. Well, could it, be down it, to could, it. It could be something. We don't think this is the best way to actually shine a light on this community. We can do something else. Yeah, It could be that. But if it was, they probably would have spoken by now. Yeah, I would have thought. Uh, we will take a short break. 17 away from 12. Back after this. 30 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Vaping in the toilet at halftime. That's extraordinary. Oh, what about the old pack of Marlboro Reds or Daniel Blues? The yeah, top of the take runner. Your, take your cell phone in there, take a photo of yourself doing it. Mm. Yeah, not great. But I, as I said, you know, I used to have, you know, our veteran players when I started playing at the age of 13, club cricket. And they'd be, oh, at, yeah. they'd be at slip <laughs> and there'd be a little durry just smoking away at their ankle. Yeah, but the bigger issue for Kim Proctor, of course, is the phone. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. It's pretty totally cr- cricket. Cricket's obviously had its issues with betting. Yep. Yeah. So when do you have to hand over your phone? No, as you as you get out of the bus or in the change room, you hand over your phone. But most players have two phones well, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So and how do you know he's not going? Just the burner phone goes in there. Yeah, or something no, no. like a scene out of The Godfather. I've strapped a phone behind the toilet the day before, <laughs> and I'm going to go into the bathroom. I so wonder. I, I've, yeah. I've always thought this. So you hand over a phone. Yeah. It's not your real phone, though. It's not your number one phone, is it? No, it is. There's lots of fake phones being handed over here. Well, when you're overseas, you because we all know two phones. Yeah. You've got your New Zealand phone, and then you've got the local SIM number. Right. Yeah. So, on every, on any given one-day international T20 test match, most players are breaking that rule? No, I haven't seen anyone on the toilets texting or in the... No, but you have change. a phone in, your, in the changing room. Well... You've yeah. snuck in another phone. It could be. Yeah, that could happen. Could happen. I'm sure that... I like your idea of taping the phone yeah. behind the... Toilet, but that's only if you're into it. Maybe this is the hidden world of match fixing that I never got asked to engage in. And I always wonder why no one came, approached me and said, hey, what about if you do this? I think it's because I just wasn't good enough. I'm guessing you didn't influence enough games in your career? <laughs> yeah, well, no. Well, they looked at me and they went, he won't be able to pull it off. He's too honest. <laughs> He's way too honest. He's a terrible liar. Yeah. And then maybe they thought I was doing it already with my scores in test cricket. Yeah. I looked at that and they're like, no, nah, he's already on someone's books. But the, do, they, do, do they come around and check that you're not on your phones during the games? No, I think it's just... It's just token. Here's a phone. Yeah. Here's any phone. Here's a Nokia, you know, from back in the day. Here's a 1989 brick phone. Yeah, I still use that, mate. You can take that. Yeah, so there's only only one person's allowed the phone and that's a manager. Um, so, yeah, if he wanted to get in on it, I guess he and could. And where do the phones go? They all go in a bag yeah. uh, with your wallets, your keys, whatever, and there's a big bag of valuables. Sounds like a party in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> we, used to, we used to play a little court session where you, we used to have all the phones down on the floor, and then whoever got a message after the game had to then take a couple of sips of their beverage. Oh, brilliant stuff. Keep your messages rolling in. Um, here's one from Hayden Wright's gents. It would make me physically sick if Robertson coached England. I lived there three years and went to Twickers couple of times most arrogant horrible fans ever writes Hayden don't hold we, back there Hayden don't hold back we need more honesty from Hayden yeah we're, we're over we're, we're over Australia we've yet to have England and South Africa I think they're the true litmus tests we will take a short break it is 10 away from 12. this is the Saturday session it is the Saturday session SCNZ. we're coming up towards the top of the hour and the next hour we'll um, get to the weekend words the sporting quotes that stood out to us Jeff Allett's going to join the program as well I'm looking Talk about forward. his career and also one of the most forgotten series New Zealand cricket's ever been involved in. And also what that Commonwealth Village was yeah, like. I always 19, wondered. The 1998 Commonwealth game. Do you remember it well, Grant? No, I don't. I oh, was in South Africa. Played, and you played cricket. Yeah. Jeff Ellett will be our legend at about uh, 20 past 12. Keep your messages rolling in at 8833, including your sleep drops performance of the week contenders. Love to get your nominations on that front. Everyone who sends in or calls in, offer their nomination goes into uh, the pot and might be the successful person to win the Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. We will be back after this break. And cool, I like the song, don't you, Grant? Shoals and the sweat, hips are going. Baby sweat. Isn't that what it says? Something like that. I don't know. It's been one of those Saturday mornings we've been quite... We haven't been sweating, that's for sure. Tell you what, the Met Service, congratulations. 
Well done. You got the weather right. Hundred yeah, percent rain. Can't be that difficult in Wellington at the moment. Thankless job being a meteorologist, being a policeman. No one phones you and says, "Hey, thanks for keeping me safe." Hey, thanks for the accurate weather update. Yeah, it's like being in the New Zealand rugby media. At the moment. No one ever calls you to say thank you very much for saying that really lovely thing. Yeah, that was lovely. Writing that lovely thing. Thanks for it's saving. It's not you're nasty and mean and you, you write bad things about them. Clearly I'm um, biased on the subject matter. Thanks for saving our coach from that press conference. Um, Grant Elliott, let's watch some live sport. Or I watch some sport in live in real time and, okay. and get your instant reaction. I want to know if this is a piece of brilliance. Or a goalkeeping howler. Okay, England are playing Sweden. England are playing Sweden in the uh, the Euro, the Women's Euro competition, which is to the final stage. This is the semi-final. England won 4-0. This was their third goal by uh, Russo, um, who, who has one attempt as the ball's uh, played in from the left-hand side. From the penalty spot, she shoots, she misses. Oh. And then back heels. Oh, and wow. back heels the rebound through the legs of the keeper. The back heel nutmeg. Oh. What do you call that? Is, oh, that, yeah. is that a contender for the Sleep Drops performance of the week? That is the Sleep Drops. That is one of the contenders because the, the keeper just wasn't expecting it. Not expecting it. And it's just nutmeg the keeper. And the keeper's made a good save. Um, shot from about the penalty spot. Right at her. She's made a good reaction save. So the ball spits out to the right as the striker looks at it. And on about a 45-degree angle from the goal, about six or seven metres out, back heels through With the keeper's power. legs into the back of the goal. Um, the... Uh, Euros are flying in the UK. Gee, the, the port has been thrown at the quality of the the tournament right up there. Um, the television audience is quite significant, as you would uh, imagine, with England rolling through to the final. So I would like to nominate um, two people for my Sleep Drops Performance of the Week contenders to go alongside New Zealand v Scotland. Um, I'm going to uh, nominate uh, Beth Mead, who has, in five games, scored six goals and five assists. So she's leading the goal scoring and the assist chart. And she's uh, helped fire England through to the final where they'll take on uh, Germany, who will be led by their um, uh, key attacker, Alexandra Pop. Big shout-out to her. She, she'd suffered a hugely significant um, knee injury, uh, only got fit in time for the tournament, started the tournament coming off the bench, Grant, and has scored in every single game at, uh, at the, the Euros, uh, firing uh, Germany through to their ninth European final appearance, England v Germany in the, the final. So... Um, to those uh, two goal scorers, uh, they are some of my nominations for the Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Get your nominations coming through to double eight double three or 0800 150 811. You're getting fired up for football season, aren't you? What started? It started last night if you follow the yeah. EFL. Was it tonight? Might be tonight. Friday night UK time, wasn't it? So it's tonight. It was this morning. Yeah, and I didn't know we could have two... Performances for sleep drops. You keep changing. They were called the rules. nominations. Nominations. So, are you going to choose one of those nominations? Yeah, I might have another nomination okay. along the way. I'm. Are you going to enter the spirit? And I'm going to enter the spirit. I've yeah. already said Sophie Pascoe, and I'm going to stick with that one. Yeah. I don't think that anyone can beat that. I mean, I. So you're locking yours in. I'm locking mine in. 2006, she won a bronze, IPC World Championship in Durban. She's still competing, 16 years later winning a gold in the Commonwealth Games 100-meter freestyle S9. So I would like to see what her tally is, and I'm trying to find that, but she won four golds in 2019 at the World Paris Swimming Championship in London, two golds in the 2018 Commonwealth Games, five medals at the 2016 Paralympics, three gold, two, two silver, two golds at 2014 Commonwealth Games, and it just keeps going and going and going. You see three golds in 2012, so... For me, 
it's one thing about producing a performance, yes. but it's another thing about staying at the top of your sporting code for over a decade. You so don't have to convince me. Unbelievable from her. What a wonderful athlete she certainly is. Um, thank you very much to all. Continue to contribute and uh, make your own suggestions for the Sleep Drops performance of the week. All right, it is time for Week in Words. Mr. Grant Elliott, this morning quotes that have stood out to, to us for uh, one reason or another. Can I, can, I, can I start off with one guy talking a whole heap of topics? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go with Sir Steve Hansen, uh, who opened up to Tover O'Brien. Really interesting chat. I highly recommend you actually go um, you know, watch it yourself and make up your own mind. But these were some of the lines that really stood out to me. On Ian Foster, of course. Um, whatever he was going to say was going to be positive and it was probably going to get a backlash from those hard and really angry uh, All Blacks fans who we've spoken to a bit um, because he said the under fire um, All Blacks boss is, and I quote, a very good coach. He won't be happy with how things have gone of late, but I don't think the issue is just inside the team. There are bigger issues than that. Hmm. It is quite interesting, isn't what it? What are the issues? Yeah, go on. Well, he talks about uh, the wider issues being, uh, amongst other things, um, are we doing enough with the high performance with the under-20s, mm-hmm. with results not being great? Um, but these quotes especially stood out to me. The relationship between the board and the executive with the players at the moment is probably the worst it's ever been. This is, this is quite startling, isn't it? Recent All Blacks coach suggesting that. The way they handled the new Silver Lake money scheme, Brett Impey came out and absolutely roasted the players with no consultation. I don't think they are doing their job right at the moment. Well, you would think that Steve Hansen or Sir Steve Hansen would be in the know in terms of the executive and the board. And, you know, you, you would think that the board, there'd be a lot of strategic goals of growing the game. That would be one. But probably the the most important goal would be the the history of the jersey and making sure that All Blacks are number one in the world consistently, which they're not at the moment. He adds, if you look back when we were a really successful team from 2010 to 2019, which are, was our most successful era, <laughs> glad he got that in, uh, the board <laughs> and the executive at the rugby union were humming. It was complete togetherness, a connection with the actual All Black team. There's been lots of re- uh, reviews recently. When did NZR do a self-review, question mark, he asked. Good question. Yeah, these are all questions the New Zealand media have asked for New Zealand for years. Um, but he believed current uh, CEO Mark Robinson was up to the job. Wasn't or was. No, was. I was. And, uh, and, and I'd like to know, how's your bullshit meter on this? Quotation, he's just in the job. The period we are going through with COVID, no one else has had to do that. There's a new head coach, a new CEO. Why did the rugby union let Steve Chu go or force him to go at the same time as I finished in 2019? We had two relatively inexperienced people running the ship. I can't fathom that. Mark Robinson is going to be a good CEO. So he's not a good CEO right now. He's going to be. That's all I see. And he's been in the job nearly three years. I must admit, there's, uh, there's not many leaders in the world that have actually coped during COVID. I think there's no blueprint in how to, how to get through COVID during that time. I think a lot of people have lost their, their places at the head of teams, countries. Um, and, you know, maybe you scrap those first two years. I don't know whether you can or not. But you know, I look at Ashley Giles from England, coaching director. He had to, he had to manage three teams for England during COVID. It wasn't just one team. 
squads of people, mental health. There was a lot going on. Um, but I think the concerning thing there is what he says about there's a disconnect between the board and the executive. You want them to be working closely and humming because I think that that, that sets the tone for all the character yeah. traits that you want throughout your playing groups, and that's women, men included, and junior uh, cricket, as well as the community game. You've got to pay attention when someone so recently having coached the side is something so pointed. Mm. Um, quite unusual. Um, and lastly, of course, like anyone who's held a senior role within the NZR, he has to have an unflattering take on the media, uh, especially the reaction to Foster describing it as cruel, nasty, malicious, spiteful, vicious, straight out of bullying, really. We talked about mental health, but we are not showing too much of it. I love journalists. They are the conduit. The problem is how they are doing it. They may have been shafted by NZR, but not by N Foster. Why don't they pay, put their attention to NZR? Well, I'm sure there's plenty of time. The Springbok series coming up, there, I think, as you said. Look, we talked about this last week, and, and I asked it in sincere fashion to the people who probably don't have a vested interest in this. I, of course, will protect those in the media. I, I hate throwing a blanket across the media, uh, but a lot of these rugby journalists I've seen and work for years are actually very good at their job, actually good people, but they call it as they see it. Sometimes they have to offer an opinion piece. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. There's a lot of people in New Zealand sport who don't accept opinion pieces and, and take it quite badly. Um, but when you're on the other side, you're going to see it differently, and, and I respect that. So it's the people who actually consume the media I'm more interested in. You know, our listeners, the readers of newspapers, those who watch the television news, and everything else in between. And I ask sincerely on the show, do we honestly think it's nasty, that it's malicious, that it's spiteful, that it's vicious? No, I don't, I don't think the it has feed, been. the feedback from our um, listeners, a very small cross-section of, of those who consume sports media was probably not. They were emotional. They were, they felt let down. Um, and I think it's that emotion and that despondent feeling um, that, you know, that the expectations mm. of the team was greater. And there's nothing wrong with that, having great expectations for your team. And that patriotism, I like the, the feeling of patriotism coming through, might come through in certain... Um, different phases of anger. I think there were the six phases of, what, what were you calling it the other Stages week? of grief. Six stages of grief. What stage are we in at the moment with the NZIU fans? Oh, apathy. Um, that's the thing for me. As far as the 2019 Cricket World Cup final, I'm still angry. Yeah, I'm in the second stage yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Can't get over it. All right. That's, uh, you know, really interesting stuff from Steve Hansen, um, covering a lot of topics there. Um, what have you got? Well, being the Formula One specialist in the show, uh, Sebastian Vettel has announced his retirement. Um, it seems a long time since he was the most ruthless driver in the paddock. But he did things the right way. And there was a glowing testimony from um, one of his competitors, Lewis Hamilton. He said, leaving the sport better than you found it is always the goal. I have no doubt that whatever comes next for you will be exciting, meaningful, and rewarding. Love you, man. I think the sentence there is leaving the sport better than you found it is always the goal. And I think athletes sometimes lose sight of that because it can just be about them. But I think no one is bigger than the sport. The sport is always, you have to leave it in a good place and respect the sport and help grow it. And I think growing it for, 
children um, or the next generation, I think, is some of the most important things you can do as a professional sports person. So great to see that quote. Coaches talk. People get really wound up by coaches talk. What, the generic coaches talk? The generic talk? coaches talk. When you've lost a game and they walk well, yeah. into the change room. You know, coaches aren't going to throw, well, good coaches, I don't think, throw players under the bus and might say something in public when they probably think something else. People do react wildly to it. So I need you guys, you and Ben, to help me with this. My yeah. beloved Liverpool are chasing an EPL title as of next weekend. I think behind Manchester City on the on the book, as far as the bookies are concerned. But Jurgen Klopp, who was the manager of uh, Liverpool, was asked basically, you know, what are your objectives? Are, is it, are you chasing a title? So on and so forth. And he said, it's always like this. The main target is to qualify for the Champions League. It's really difficult enough already when you reach that and then still have time to fight for the title, then you do that. But for the majority of the season, you fight for the Champions League. Um will be a massive fight for the Premier League. Oh, my God, that's the Premier League. I have no idea who will make the race. It looks like City will, in the end, be the champions. He's, he's copped a bit of grief, as you always tend to do on social media, and people highlighting this. Not Jürgen. Oh, putting the fight... A, a team having to... You want your coach to claim a favourite tag? It doesn't mean anything, right? Not in sport, no. Quite like that means nothing, right, Ben? Okay, he said the other team who's more likely a better team, who are the defending champions, have won four out of five, are the favourites to win it. whoop de do, Big deal, right, Ben? I don't see what the problem is. Manchester City are rightly, deservedly, deservedly, deservedly are the favourites for the title. It's a good psychological warfare, I reckon. It's a, it's much better going in as the underdog than the the team that's expected to win. Now, I agree with that. I think he's trying to claim the underdog status. Yeah, which is good to go well, under, under the radar. Only, you've only been separated by a point on a couple of occasions. Yeah. It's not like you were like a wild underdog. It's not like you, when your Wellington Fibers were playing anyone decent. Talk the opposition up. Talk them up. Okay. And then destroy them. Are we done? Uh, no, so I... After you said that, um, I had a, a quick little look of sporting quotes that uh, coaches should not say. Um, learnings. Anything with learnings. That's number one yeah. on my list. So like the common things that uh, they express say. Express yourself. Go and express. Can we eliminate that from the sporting lexicon? I, I said that. Express yourself. Yeah. You did today. I'm proud of the fact we kept fighting out there. One game at a time. Our team Unfortunately, gives... one game at a time makes a whole heap of sense. Uh, sort of processes, I guess. Well, when people are asking you, oh, are you going to win the title? Well, that's 38 games away, mate. Mm. Uh, we kind of have to do. <laughs> a lot of football to be played. Our team gives 110% oh, every time we're on the field. I understand that. It's actually physically impossible to give any more than 100%. Um, th- that reminds me when Dougie Bollinger got his uh, baggy green yeah. for Australia. And Graham Smith said, "Well, what do you what do you think of um, you know the, the um, Dougie Bollinger coming into the squad?" And he said, "Well, you got to be careful of anyone that's prepared to give one hundred and fifty thousand percent." What? Because they one hundred and fifty thousand percent. Well, they interviewed him. They gave him he the baggy green. I've never they heard said, anyone go that high before. What would you give to wear the baggy green in a test match? He said, "I'd give one hundred and fifty. And then he sort of paused. And then he said, "Thousand percent." He obviously thought one hundred and fifty percent wasn't enough. enough. Someone needs to tell them how percentages work.
the better team won today. You could, Grant, you've have you given the Saturday session one hundred percent effort this week? One hundred and ten. I I normally give it one hundred and twenty. Well, you can't. I know. Can't. <laughs> it's impossible. Be honest. I've, I've, I've given you about 87% this week. I've had, I've had coaches say to us, yeah. though, I want to see everyone give 120% out there. You go, when you get a bit cynical as an older yeah. player, you're like, but yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> say to the guy next to you, you can't give 120%. It's impossible. You can't give 101%. Any other? Sport? You play to win the game. Who's got it better than us? They were who we thought they were. Oh. Yeah, there are some magnificent one-liners that coaches rely upon. It is 17 minutes after 12 o'clock. Your contribution to the program is welcome. You can always pick up the phone, give us a call on 0800-150-811 or text double eight double three. Although, you may want to stay tuned. Keep the phone. Have a listen out. We're going to uh, welcome in another Saturday session legend in association with Somerset. Think legendary care. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. We catch up with a man who what, topped the wicket-taking charts at the 1999 World Cup. But the year before that, uh, went to a Commonwealth Games to play cricket. Yeah, Jeff Allett, part of that um, New Zealand side. We'll talk about that very really thought about uh, series is, uh, you know, the one and only time men's cricket appeared at the Commonwealth Games in 1998 in Malaysia. I wonder where his medal is. Wonder if he's kept it. He did win. He did win the Commonwealth Games medal. Commonwealth bronze. Um, and we might have to ask him about um, the semi-final, which might go down as one of New Zealand's worst ever one day. As one day, I won't say internationals because it didn't have ODI status at the Commonwealth Games, but uh, New Zealand were mauled by Australia in the semi. And we the village, th- the Commonwealth Village. Yeah, that's what you want to know about. Because yeah. I'd, I'd imagine cricketers at the Commonwealth Village back in those days. Oh dear. Was there like three McDonald's? in the hen house, isn't it? <laughs> we will take a break. It's 18 after 12. It's Saturday Session Legends. Jeff Ellis up next. That's our producer projecting there after a shocking revelation earlier today. Said he the, wanted to blow up the game. He wanted to blow up the game. We, we, uh, we asked him simply, what pedantic rule in sport would you like removed based on, if you're unaware, a New Zealand triathlete, Mr. Wild, completely ripped off, wasn't he? Unclipping the helmet before letting go of the bike. 10-second penalty do not get gold medal, get silver. You can appeal, he has. He has to wait till after the Commonwealth Games to actually hear the result of the appeal, which is just so weird. What about the compulsory eight-pint drink before playing darts? Isn't that what yeah. they do? Yeah, something like that. It just ben, loosens them up a little bit. Ben Francis, SENZ darts legend. <laughs> well, and our producer extraordinaire. This is the Saturday session. And it's time for our legends as we catch up with the legends of New Zealand sport. Talk about legendary tales, careers, events, tournaments, tournaments. It's probably not the most memorable, but it should be for for some reason. Very memorable. It, well, is it? Well, there was. Well, isn't there would have been fifteen cricketers who received the bronze yes, medal? New Zealand has won a Commonwealth Games medal. Of course, the women get their first chance in Birmingham in 2022. We wish them all the success. But yes, uh, 1998 New Zealand finished third at the uh, Kuala Lumpur Games, wasn't it? So Malaysia. So uh, out of that uh, touring team, we had a fabulous World Cup the following year, of course. I think he led the wicket-taking chart, 20 wickets at a World Cup in uh, 1999. At his very, very best, very dangerous with a new ball, especially a white one, uh, threatening pads, outside edges, stumps. He's uh, a fine one-day record for sure. Um, although at times to test some... Um, Fans, when scoring runs, but yeah, maybe you know. maybe quite similar to me in a way. 
didn't really um, set the world alight in tests, although much better than I did. But with the bat, no, you're right. Well, you know. Well, he, I, he wasn't I, a top-order player like you, Grant. He doubled up on everything I did. And, of yeah. course, what, 77 balls in 101 minutes to, to score a duck in test cricket, of course. Shows resilience. It does show resilience. Jeff Ellett, of course, is the man we are talking about. Uh, recently on the board of New Zealand Cricket, of course, he joins us here on the Saturday session. Hopefully he's uh, listened uh, through that and hasn't hung up on us. Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, good afternoon. I just let you know it's still a world record as well. So um, exactly. Very, uh, <laughs> so you know that's something to be extremely proud of. If you can take that away from your career, I say. You know, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I know we want to talk the common games with you, but I, I could spend one hundred and one minutes talking about your innings. What What well, do you What do you most actually. remember about that duck? What 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 do you most remember about it? Probably after the first sort of battering I got from Alan Donald and um, Callis and Klusner or whoever it was, um, it was actually became quite fun. Uh, Harry was down the other end uh, milking all the strike as he does. And um, yeah. didn't, he sent me back about five times when I could have had easy singles, which my, my kids now say, well, why the hell didn't you take it? Probably a fair, probably a fair point. But um, no, at the time, I think it was my only world record or my only record um, of any note. So, uh, so whether it was good or bad, I knew I was going to be in the history books for a while. Were you playing for a naught at the end? Uh, I played for, uh, yeah, I must admit, I, we knew we were getting close. <laughs> you the umpires did. sort of had a bit of a word. <laughs> the umpires had a word and said, you're only five minutes away at that stage. It's, uh, you know, we, we were very much locking down for the moment. Uh, and I think it was, I think it was the only time I got to raise my bat uh, for any cricket, including club cricket, which was quite a special moment when you get naught and raise your bat on either back. Oh, and how good does this sound? Jeff Ellett caught Pollock bold callus. Nought. 77 yeah. balls phase, 101 minutes. Just magnificent. Now, did did you walk the, into I, the I change room, the... GA? Did you walk into the change room and go, that's how you do it, boys? Yeah. Bloody openers, well, just the... giving your wickets away. Well, there was an element of that, actually. But the worst part was the, um, the, the official scorer came down and they presented me two scorecards. One was Daryl Cullinan. I think he got 280. He got... And, and it had a, whole lot of, um, had a whole lot of lines all over his page. And then she presented me mine, and there was, of course, no wink on the page whatsoever. So um, so that exists somewhere still. Someone's got it. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty special moment that the boys enjoyed. Yeah, Cullinan did enjoy playing us, didn't he? Uh, less so Warney. Well, that was, that was one rec- record... Uh, Jeff, but the other one is ODI record. Well, you were 27th in the world, 27th fastest to 50 wickets. Um, all and, time. And, oh, of As all it time. currently stands. And the 25th um, in the world, best career strike rate. Um, so or you could just say he was the best bowler of the 1999 World Cup and he'll feel better, won't you, Jeff? So that's a much nicer way of putting it, isn't it? Look, look to be honest, guys, I know I had very limited ability. So um, so anything, and I, and I think, you know, obviously we're showing more passing. It's a sad moment, but to actually share the record with him when he went past me in the final, um, or sorry, equaled me in the final, uh, yeah. it was actually a moment I got up and celebrated because I actually thought, you know, this is no one's going to remember who Jeff Allen is, but if Shane Warne's beside it, then um, that's going to be fantastic. So to this it day, is. you know, I'm more proud about Shane was on there than, uh, than probably myself. Yeah, it oh, certainly has a been a sad time seeing him pass at such an early age. But uh, before we get onto the Commonwealth Games, I want to ask you one question about that uh, 99 World Cup because... I watched that religiously, and um, the ball was swinging miles in that tournament. There was, I think, 
it was tipped to be a hundred wides uh, from the bookies, and I think there was something like four hundred wides in the tournament. Wasn't it May well, June? It was quite early in the English season. Yeah, what was the yeah, what was well, the difference? I mean, that would have would have helped you, but wouldn't it the swing? Thanks, thanks, Grant. That's really good of you, mate. I needed all the help I could get. So, um, <laughs> well, way to cut a man down, eh? Way to cut a man yeah, down, yeah. Grant. There's always great. Well, again, that's why I was really pleased Shane Warne ended up sort of, um, you know, equally the record because it was a spin bowler. I could then always say, well, no, it wasn't green seamers. It was actually really dry, you know, <laughs> the beds that turned miles. So, uh, no, it was, I've got to confess, um, the Duke, Duke's ball had very, uh, very big seams. They felt small in your hand. And at that time of year, uh, on green on green wickets, the ball was going miles. So the, the advantage I had is that I typically didn't swing it a long way. The guys that did swing it were swinging it out of control. Um, and that's where all the wides come from, um, ground that you mentioned. So I was lucky that I didn't have enough talent that my little bit of swing actually ended up being just the right amount. Um, so it was, a, it was a good thing, good timing. Oh, yeah, you're a very humble man. But I do remember that uh, New Zealand were outstanding in that competition in terms of movement through the air. Now, let's you finish that. You're on a high. Now, we know you, you just played the one game in the Commonwealth Games. And you, you, so we're you going back here now. We're going back in time. We're getting yeah, we're going time back in time. We're going back in time for but, those trying to keep up with the chronology of this interview. We're here with a cricketer <laughs> alongside me. We're going to go back in time. We'll go back to, in time. I want to know. The you previous got, year. You got to the, the Commonwealth Village. I'm I'm fascinated to see what how excited the boys oh, were going to a Commonwealth, a village. Commonwealth it village. Carnage, wouldn't it? It'd be carnage. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, and Brian, I just couldn't imagine what you would have been like. Uh, you know, uh, you, you <laughs> would have been just going in all directions, seeing these heroes. It was it's really hard to describe, to be honest. Um, you know, when you you walk in, you're used to touring, I guess, with a group of fifteen. You're pretty much in your hotel or playing or travelling the whole time on a cricket tour. Whereas you get into that athlete's village, you know, and on one side there's Daniel Loder, on the other side there's Beatrice Farmer-Wenar, and then there's Sarah Olmo, and then there's, you know, all these other oh, New Zealand Sevens team, netball team. It was just unbelievable. Um, and for, for people that are passionate about sport in general, it was just yeah. sort of <laughs> just a moment that's, um, as I say, really hard to describe, but certainly one of the, the greatest memories I have. Was there a free McDonald's in the village? Because I always hear rumours about It's not the Olympics, that. mate. It's not the Olympics. He didn't get, uh, you know, a, a car boot full of condoms either. You know, it's not the <laughs> well, Olympics, actually, I think there was both, to be honest. Uh, so, but the, um, I'm pretty sure the McDonald's only opened near the end of the, uh, of the uh, games. It was actually interesting. There was a, a fantastic bar as well, a nightclub. And that uh, only really got cranking with about three days to go. Um, the poor guys <laughs> that obviously had to compete after that time uh, stood no chance. But um, but for us that had a few extra days after we'd competed, it was magic. Oh, so is that why you lost the, the semi-finals? Say, that... Because you knew that the nightclub <laughs> was opening. Yeah, I knew that was going to come up, actually. Um, and, and I have, it's one of those games, I, I fortunately wasn't playing, but I was obviously part of the unit. And it's one of those games where I think all of the people involved in that have wiped it, or tried to wipe it. I think we were bowled out for 58, and they got it done in 10 overs. Uh, in 10 so, po- yeah, uh, 10 overs. In 10 overs. Yeah. So I think they had 235 balls remaining uh, still to get, the, um, to get the run. So we sort of had to, we'd gone out, we'd had a wee bit of hype in the village, you know, making the semis, that was all great. And then we had to walk back into the village with our tails between our legs. Uh, chest not so 
well pumped out um, as they probably were before that. And it was a real reality check for all of us, obviously. We played quite well against Pakistan the game a couple of days before. Um, and then, of course, we knew it was do or die in that, uh, in that bronze medal playoff against Sri Lanka. Yeah, like, like the, the group stage went like this. For those unaware, played Kenya, um, one by five wickets, even more straightforward victory against Scotland. Um, with what, I think Fleming got 100. Uh, Chris Harris had a ridiculous sort of wicket-taking uh, Commonwealth Games now, didn't he? Um, I think New Zealand beat Scotland by 177 runs. And finally, the, the crunch match was against Pakistan. Um, 215 by New Zealand. Uh, Fleming making 60. Six, Shaab Akhtar taking four for 47, but only three Pakistans and extras reached double figures um, as they lost their last six wickets for 21 runs, being bowled out for 134. So you're into the semis. But but as far as conditions in Malaysia, it didn't really suit yourself, right? It, they were quite slow wickets from what I remember. The slower, the better. Is that kind of how the, the conditions were? Yeah, I think, um, to be fair to the KL... Uh, administrators, you know, they've been given 12 months to, to get six wickets up to an international standard, which is pretty hard to do. Um, and, you know, they've done their best. And, and I know, you know, the conditions were unbelievably humid. So the, the decks were, were pretty, flat, you know, feathery, if you like, didn't bounce a lot. I think Harry, Nace and, and Dan were probably the leading wicket takers, although Shano bowled really well as well. But um, but it was really slow. So the scores, I don't think there were too many games sort of over over 200, actually, um, or it might be just over, certainly under 250. Um, so the wickets were slow. That tended to, tended to suit, you know, those other, um, the WW-type bowlers. Um, and, um, yeah, they certainly, uh, Harry and, and Nace, as I say, and, and Daniel exploited it really well for us. Yeah, Harry took six, 11 wickets at 6.9, Grant, and an economy rate of 2.02. That tells you about the pitches as well. Well, not not taking anything away from Harry, but he was very difficult to get away. Um, you know, taking pace off the ball, but an economy of two point zero two. You just don't see that these days. Yeah. And that, so, Jeff, tell me about the Olympic Village. I'm not going to harp on about this, but Commonwealth you, Games. Commonwealth Games. Village. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you did. Did they make you feel part of the New Zealand team? Were you very much part of it? And do they do the haka when people get gold and were you quite a cohesive unit, or were the cricketers just kind of like an outside where they're like, well, they're not really athletes, they just stand around a field? Yeah. There was there was probably a bit of that, and it was probably justified, to be honest, when you see, you know, the, that most of these athlete, athletes get one day to perform, you know, and they've, they've built up for it for probably four or five years, you know, to get there. Um, but, but having said that, to answer your question... Um, the inclusivity was amazing, and you know one of the one of the lasting memories I'll have. Um, you all eat communally, so you go up to the cafeteria, which is really neat. So you know you're sort of you're mingling with you know your, your fellow New Zealanders um, from a range of sports. And I remember one night there was probably, there was quite a few people up for dinner, and um, Darren Liddell had just won three gold medals and walked up, and there's these stairs coming up, and so you couldn't see him. You're going to see a massive big bus, obviously, um, as a big, big weightlifter. And he turned around and he had these three gold medals just shining in the beam of his face. You know, he was obviously ecstatic. And, and everybody just got up on their chairs, on the tables, just erupted. Um, it was, you know, instant, instantaneous sort of uh, amazing moment, really. Um, again, you get to share, you know. But another another, another sort of example, though, the um, we had the heartbreaker course of Craig Barrett. You might remember that. He was the 50-day oh, race. Oh, yes. Uh, Six-minute lead. 
you know, and then all of a sudden he uh, got dehydration, I think, and, and collapsed and had to be taken off. Um, so yeah, and then they tried to get him back to his feet off. and he was falling over yep. again. Uh, yeah, it was a, a really, really, you know, from a sporting perspective, sort of a tragic sight, really. Yeah, it was. And it was, I think it was near the start of the game. So it sort of shook people a wee bit. But um, but as I say, when, when Darren came up with these medals around his neck, um, you yeah, know, that certainly pumped everyone up, uh, which was which was fantastic. Well, you've taken the next question out of my mouth. It's like you've just got this carnival of sport around you. There's so many distractions available to you. Jeff, you love sport. Pig in the proverbial, right? So, fair to say, when you had downtime and it was able, you tried to get to as many sports as possible? Yeah, in fact, it was fascinating. We uh, we spent a lot of time with, um, um, with the hockey teams. Uh, we went to the sevens, the athletics, the swimming. Um, it was just... Phenomenal, you know, you just, they had a really good system. Where from the from the athletes' village, you could just effectively jump on a, a small um, train, uh, which was controlled with security, that went to all of the locations um, for the events. So, any of that downtime, as you said, you were just you were just uh, once you'd done your warm downs and your stretches and whatever else, you were away. Um, and you actually, you know, for us, we got to meet a hell of a lot of really fantastic people, Kiwis that you know you wouldn't otherwise get to meet. Um, but socially, then, as I said, in the last few days, you sort of got to got to connect up with those people in a, a more social scene, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was a, a great a great moment. What was your favourite sport to watch live? Well, I, I, prior to actually going, I hadn't seen a lot of hockey, and I'm, I've got to confess it was staggeringly good. Um, yeah, it is. I think our guys, guys and girls were doing it. just actually, and a new respect for just. You know, really hard balls being hit really fast, um, and you know these guys and girls are fit as uh, running up and down the field as we saw, you know, overnight as well, um, uh, with some you know good comeback by the by the guys. But um, but it was really it was a sport that I I hadn't had a lot of experience with. But then the athletics, you know, I watched actually Chris um, Donaldson, who's now the trainer for the um, for the Black Caps. Uh, he was running the 100 and the 200, and he had made the final of both of those, which was, you know, obviously a big deal as well, which was pretty cool. Um, and then I'd, I'd also had a, um, a mate of mine I'd gone to school with was in the cycling team, so that was pretty uh, unreal to sort of be able to to uh, go along That's and awesome. see some of that as well. So it was, um, it was just, you know, something I never expected to be able to do. Um, and you know, cricket really, probably, if I'm being honest, at that stage, I think it certainly is now. But at that stage, you know, it was a wee bit of uh, who are these guys? Um, but yeah. uh, but actually, you know, the respect that you've got to have then for for every person that's you know done everything they can to to earn a medal for their country. You know, that's that what makes you really reflect on on you know mm. coming away with a bronze medal, for example. Um, you've yeah. got to respect those others that have had that opportunity to do it and and um, you know stays with them for the rest of their life. Do you think, Jeff? Do you think there's a place uh, for T20 cricket in the Olympics? Yeah, I do, Grant, to be honest. Um, you know, if you look at team sports the way they're going, and I'm probably obviously biased on this because I think from a marketing point of view, um, to uh, to expand your game, I think it's an, a, obviously an incredible um, um, viewership and, and um, platform to to deliver your, your product. Um, so, and the T20 is obviously a lot shorter. Um, you can play two or three games, you know, on the one venue on the same day. Um, so you can get through it quite quickly, whereas a 50 over probably took a bit long. Um, and I think you know, it'll be really interesting watching the women uh, in this tournament in the Commonwealth Games, actually. And obviously, the White Ferns have got a really big one against South Africa tonight. But um, yeah. I think it'll work really well. And I think um, that's great. You know, the thing I love is when you see the 
the young kids and the families that are going along and watching and may not have been exposed to these new sports and all of a sudden they take it up. And that's, that's a fantastic result. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for dropping by, giving so much of your time, uh, reminiscing about uh, that uh, tournament, the Commonwealth Games. Does it still feel weird? You're a Commonwealth Games medalist. Does it feel weird to say, yeah, even and after and all these years? Yeah, it is weird. And some, I know, struggled for a while uh, within the team to actually sort of appreciate the medal. Um, in terms of just, you know, that they probably felt that they... The cricket wasn't deserving of it at that stage, but I think yeah. over time, you know, you, you actually appreciate that. Now we've we've been there, we had the opportunity, right or wrong, we had the opportunity, and you know we've come away, and and that's pretty cool. So, um, but uh, well, there's no there's no better feeling as now sitting in front of the TV, obviously, and watching these other athletes, such as Hayden Wild, who I thought was just outstanding and unbelievable um, overnight, and just the the reaction and the way that he responded to that ridiculous call, but. Um, you know, those sorts of people. It's that so weird, that thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be, yeah, well good, to be honest. But, um, yeah. but I'm, um, yeah, just it, it gives you a real pride. You see the cyclists as well, you know, overnight. It's, it's fantastic to watch. Can't wait for the next week or so. And um, go the Kiwis. Oh, Jeff, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, you're someone that exhibits all the, the great character traits that Kiwi sports uh, people do have. And, you are a, an athlete in the true sense of the world. You have a Commonwealth bronze medal, and let's hope the... Don't uh, take that away from you, ever. Yeah, let's hope the White Ferns can uh, bring back a couple of trophies for us as well, medals. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, Jeff Eller, part of the 1998 <laughs> New Zealand cricket side that won bronze. Uh, part of um, reasonably successful games. Eight gold, six silvers, 20 bronze, 34 in total. We were six on the medal table. Uh, golds in um, women's discus with Beatrice Falmuina, uh, Glenn Thompson, Sarah Olmer in cycling, uh, shooting Stephen Peterson, uh, weightlifting Darren Little who picked up three, winning the snatch, cleaner jerk and the overall in the uh, men's 105 plus KJ. I love weightlifting. Love me weightlifting. Used to commentate the weightlifting. Had good fun at that. And the rugby sevens. How's this for some names? Christian Cullen. Jonah Lomu, Rico Gear, Caleb Ralph, Roger Randall, Amasio Valance, Bruce Rehana, Eric Rush, Dallas Seymour, and Joelle Vendere. Wow, that's a team, hey? That is, that is some team. Was it, was it the Sevens almost like, you know, the, the breeding ground for the All Blacks? Was it ever... They always chose young guys that were sort of well, on the cusp. Like Cullen and, and Lomu. Yeah. Went and progressed. Yeah, went and progressed. Not, um, you wouldn't say it was where they grew them. No. You don't, you don't grow many props and locks playing seven, put it that way. Where you've got a taste for it. Yeah. Our uh, Legends segment, in association with Somerset, think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. We are 12 minutes away from 1 o'clock. means you've got 12 minutes uh, to get in your nomination for Sleep Draws Performance of the Week. In fact, eight minutes uh, minus the four. We finish at 56, don't we, Grant? We absolutely do, and we've still got to get our punts in. But what you need to do is try NZ for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed, because you'll need that during the Commonwealth Games. A couple of key themes that we've discussed today reflected in these two text messages. Firstly from Craig, who writes, Hi guys, Wilde was robbed by a pedantic official who wanted the Englishman to win. His hand didn't leave his helmet chin strap until after his bike was racked. Deserves... And overturn won't happen. Good show. Thank you, Craig. 
I love how we're all experts now on triathlon chin straps. Yeah. Oh, no, his hand didn't leave the strap, of course. Of course not. Of course. Thanks, Glad you're Craig. paying attention. And Nathan writes, Steve Hansen was a master at controlling the media. Foster and NZR came across as petulant, but that is a reflection of their own successes. They can't blame the media for it. They went away to their bedroom and hid and cried. And now they're pulling out the bullying card, question mark. I'm embarrassed for them. It's 11 minutes away from uh, 1 o'clock. We will take a short break, and then the sporting punts you should probably run a mile from. Uh, six minutes away from 1 o'clock. No Clado cross. Clado's a bit ill, but don't worry. The good oil will roll on after 1 o'clock, and they will have all the good oil for you. Um, so stay with us here on SENZ. Uh, that is still to come in just five and a half minutes' time, so breathe a sigh of relief. We're nearly finished. Grant Elliott, give me your sporting tip for the weekend that I should run a mile from. It's, I don't think you should run a mile from this one. I'm, I'm going to lock this one in. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> five and a half. Uh, Amelia Kerr, top run scorer for the White Ferns tonight against South Africa. I'm going down the same path, same game. Oh. I'm going Laura Volvard to, Volvard to score uh, the most runs for South Africa. She's playing 375, as she did, you might remember, against the White Ferns at the uh, Women's World Cup. Nice player, nice player. Very, very, very Technically fine correct. Play. And I'm going the emotional hedge, guys. I've just got a bad feeling. Um, South Africa, I think, should be favourites, are not at our home tote, the higher ranked. They're paying 275. You're melting that up. I quite like those odds of 275. I think it's one of those 50-50 games. So I, I just see some value there. Ben, for you? Mine's going to be an investment one, as we know the English football season's back underway. So I'm going on the $8 for my beloved Bradford City under Mark Hughes to win League 2, paying $8. Yeah! Bradford Mark Hughes City. is at Bradford. Yeah, he, what, the Mark Hughes? Yeah, the Mark Hughes is currently head coach uh, at Bradford City. He took over in March earlier this year. League two, eh? Div two. Brilliant. No, that's the fourth tier. Oh, so there's the Premiership, Championship, tier. League One, League Two. Oh, wow. It's, mate, in three, four years' time, we'll be talking about Bradford and the EPL. They'll be allowed their phones in the change room, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, but like all cricketers still are. Oh, shocking revelation on. earlier today. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's played a part. Huge thanks to Ben Francis. The good old team is up next here on SENZ. Ta-da, take care. We'll catch you next week. Thanks a lot. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.